This is Professor Raymond Noby, Department of Ancient History, log entry number two. I believe I have made a significant find in the castle of Cantor. Having journeyed there with my wife, Henrietta, my daughter, Annie, and associate professor, Ed Gettler. It was in the rear chamber of the castle. We stumbled upon something remarkable. Once again, yes, the same shit yes every week. But I'll indulge you, you creepy English tart. I'm here for my weekly stash of teddy mags, my favorite taco bar in the whole wide world, Toblerone, and my lotto tickets. <gasps> Who found the shingle? In this episode, host Derek Carey welcomes again, the Google Hangout crew of filmmaker Don Thacker, film critic turned director Glenn Bittner, musician slash filmmaker Tanya Tomic, and film journalist, podcaster, filmmaker Andrew Shearer. For the full episode, words and all, go to YouTube. Also, to keep up with the various projects of Derek Carey and Rabbit Child Films, go to the Facebook pages of Swamphead, coming soon from Briarwood Entertainment, Screaming in High Heels, Hole in the Wall, and Astro Radio Z. Now, on with the show. Uh, well, I kind of brought everybody together tonight um, because a, a week or two ago, I uh, I watch as as always. All of these shows always hinge on the, the shit that I end up watching, <laughs> and uh, just happen happen to finally like get a spark under my ass to feel passionate enough uh, to actually talk about it. Um, I had a weekend of uh, self indulgent shit film watching where. Uh, I went and uh, I went to originally to the video store to check out uh, Showgirls 2 Pennies from Heaven, and they did not have it, um, but they did have Sharknado, which I was uh, originally, you know, pretty staunchly against watching because the whole idea of purposeful bad filmmaking just kind of rubs me the wrong way as as a self-professed shit film fan. Um, all my life, I've I've loved you know ten cent little films that most people feel are the you know just complete waste of time. I mean, one of my favorite films of all time is Basket Case, um, but most people look at that and go, "Man, this looks like my grandma shot this on her camcorder," which is total bullshit because it's, it's <laughs> fucking amazing. But anyways, um, so so I rented Sharknado and then found out um, from a, a friend of ours, uh, Douglas Tilly, who couldn't make it tonight. Um, who's part of a great uh, podcast. He's part of uh, Grindhouse, uh, Daily Grindhouse uh, website, and he uh, runs a podcast called No Budget Nightmares. Um, and uh, he was talking about Showgirls 2 just constantly. Like, this was the holy grail. This thing looked like the most amazing thing he'd ever seen, even though the trailer looks like a total pile of garbage. Um, and he's like, oh, it's on Amazon On Demand. Yeah, and I have a epic. PS3. Yeah. And I uh, so I'm like, I get home, 
and my wife is like, what'd you get? Oh, I got Sharknado. But I found out Showgirls 2 is on Amazon <laughs> on demand. She's like, you're going to rent this thing, aren't you? Oh, of course I am. So, so I rented it. I'm like, so which one do you want to watch? You want to watch Sharknado? Or Showgirls too, and it doesn't matter because within five minutes of either of them, she's she's asleep, zonked out on the couch because we have three kids and they run us ragged. Um, so I watched Sharknado first, and uh, I surprisingly had a really, really, really good time with it. And I didn't expect to because um, the last film that I watched that was purposely that was part of this kind of ironic, purposeful bad cinema. Um, was Birdemic to the Resurrection, and and uh, that film completely rubbed me the wrong way because um, the first half of it's like exactly the fir- first film, and then once the Birdemic happens, it's just so blatantly in your face. Look at this, we're awful. That um, made me want to like punch something. Um, so I was really hesitant to watch Sharknado, especially when everyone and their mom is just you know boffing themselves over it but i i enjoyed it i thought it was it had a lot of like it it had its tongue you know in its cheek firmly but it had a smile on its face the entire time and i enjoyed it i like i like films that that are fun that that aren't just trying to sell you on themselves the entire time they just don't give a fuck i like that kind of filmmaking um and then the next night I watched <laughs> Showgirls 2. And, uh, um, Andrew, did you actually watch that film? Yeah, I'm not all the way through. It's very long. It is two and a half hours long of just pure nonsense. I but did so watch So far I would, I would say it's no Thundercrack, but it's all right. <laughs> we'll what, have to what, talk about Thundercrack. Thundercrack was about four hours, the uncut version. What the fuck is that? Uh, that's a that's a black and white. Uh, well, the Kuchar brothers are in it, but I don't think they made it. A um, pornographic black comedy film. Ooh. Yeah, it's really awesome. Four and a half hours. Yeah, and I've I've seen it more than once. It's kind of <laughs> so it must be that good, huh? It's pretty rad, yeah. And I I would it, not not a I mean it has some triple X in it, but you know insert shots, get it? Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. you just did that. In real life, you did that. I did that. Um, well, so, well, the funny thing about that that you bring that up is Showgirls Two, uh, the version that's on Amazon is actually the the topless version only. So that leads me to believe that there is a version out there where there's either more Fanny and Bush or there's more intense sexual uh, things that weren't in <laughs> the version I watched, which is rather interesting to me, but not interesting enough that I'd ever spend two and a half hours of my life to ever watch it again. So I guess the whole point of this long rambling session is that um, I'm really conflicted. Uh, being a, a B movie fan uh, by this this culture that that has kind of arisen out of intentional bad filmmaking, um, used to and I know Don and I kind of talked about this before we even started the show um, in the, in the eighties and nineties. I mean, there's been bad film ever since film started, um, but the film we films we grew up on, you know that people look back now ironically and say, oh, man, check this out. Oh, this is, a, this is a total piece of garbage. We never thought they were pieces of garbage back in the day. We were just excited to see really whacked out shit. Um, yeah. 
like like Don's example was uh, was Doctor Mordred. Hell yeah. You know, and, and, and stuff, you know, full moon pictures and Roger Corman movies. and Every full moon picture, man. Every yeah. Moon. Yeah, subspecies and robo, robot jocks and Yeah, and Stuart man Gordon's and, robot jocks. Yeah, all that shit. You know, we never, I never went to the video store thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a total piece of shit. I'm going to laugh my ass off at it. No, yeah. I thought, holy shit, look at this cover. It's yeah. a chick that's, that barely has any clothes on with a bunch of little guys carrying her and a vampire in the background. This movie's going to fucking rock. Yeah. And it did. I love subspecies. But uh, I, I, so I want to toss it out there. What do you think has, has brought about? this culture now where we're so hard up for laughs that we have to look at and and denigrate people that are honestly trying to make films and and, and denigrate their work to to find enjoyment in our life. Is it all because of MST3K or is it, is there something else behind it? Um, Well, I I think like with Asylum, I don't think the original intent was to, uh, you know, kind of like, make these intentionally bad films. They were just, they were, they're cash-in films. Yeah. And then because one or two, like, like Mega Piranha, was actually humorous as well, that's when they really started churning them out. And then it just became this, hey, people like this intentionally bad stuff, and they'll watch it, and they'll watch it, and they'll watch it, and they'll gobble it up. And the thing is, is for every, like, Sharknado, there's freaking 30 other ones they've made, like, God, every every major film they have a cash in for it. I mean, you had what was the one that I just watched not too long ago was the Hansel and Gretel Warriors of Witchcraft. <laughs> but didn't they do one that was? I I know I saw one on Netflix that was Hansel and Gretel get baked. Yeah, there was that one. I saw I saw the preview for that. Yeah, and they had Abraham Lincoln Zombie Killer. Yeah, with one. I mean. And the thing is, is it's, it's, it started out as them trying to cash in, and now it's the fact that they're still cashing in, but now it's they've got this reputation for making these bad movies. And it, in a lot of ways, it shows that, that they're just putting no effort into it. Well, it, it's, it, there's, it's a sli- secular thing, I think, because, you know, the big monster movies were, were big back in the day with movies like Them and... Uh, you know, the giant spider invasion and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, film always kind of goes in cycles. So, you know, we have, we're in the, the era of the remake train right now, and I'm sure that'll be replaced with something else. We had, uh, you know, vampires and shit like that. So I, I, the fact that, you know, they're cashing in on people liking these big, you know, monster movies, that, that's not what really bothers me. It's, it's more of the fact that now the the mst3k culture and the riff tracks culture and and uh the room (laughs) culture to where now we we we're so starved for these kind of you know lightning in a bottle experiences with with films that that most people would deem as you know mediocre or subpar that we have to actually produce them in order to keep that sensation alive as as film viewers and that just kind of that's just really odd to me. Huh. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I I um. There was a, a festival that I went to recently, and um, I think 
John Carl Buchler was there. The, uh, oh, yeah, the, the original troll, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was there, and the the guy interviewing him had a Troll 2 shirt on, which, as you know, has zero to do with Troll. Absolutely. At all. And, and he hadn't actually seen Troll, the interviewer. He, he'd, only, he'd only heard of Troll because of Troll 2, and... And it comes out later in the conversation because uh, Buchler was not okay with that. I mean, that was like, why are you fucking talking to me, man? And, what an asshole. Yeah. Well, what you find out later is he'd only heard of Troll 2 in the hip It's Time to Watch Troll 2, that movie yeah. that everyone's wearing the shirt for these days Yeah. thing. So um, there was a, a legit film, Troll, that may or may not be the, a good film, but uh, then there was a complete... Just like the um, original Asylum pictures, kind of a write-off. Let's try to bank, you know, bank on a title and scoop up some money and yep. you know, use it for nothing and make nothing plus five and move on. Kind of movie Troll Two, and then uh, because of this weird culture you're talking about, this weird like, oh yeah, it's it's almost like this weird hipster ironic like I saw this movie, and you know you see that there's a there was that uh, documentary about Troll Two. Um, these yeah. people they knew they were on a shit movie. But they were all trying really hard. And the director was really trying. He still, to yeah. this day, thinks that he made a good yeah. piece of cinema. That Italian dude, yeah. He yeah. and his yeah. wife, right? They, they thought that was it. They, they'd made it. And, you know, they had all this... Nobody did that ironically. I know that the Asylum movies are... They're not made seriously. I don't, I don't believe for a second. My production designer, the production designer on Motivational Growth, she actually used to work... She worked on two or three Asylum pictures and stopped because it was just... Everything was like cheap and fast, cheap and fast. Yep. Kick it out, do the worst. It doesn't matter if it works. It doesn't matter if there's continuity. Nope. Nobody gives a shit. And I wonder what the actual, like, w- when did we stop making the movie, making movies and start just making like product with a big name? It's it's the second seven second like pop culture thing, you know, like, you know, if, if you like if you listen to those medleys with like, oops, I did it again, and Billy Jean and the like all the jumps. just like yeah. thrown together in one like six minute song. That's what these movies feel like. I do think it's a cultural thing. I don't know. I, I wish I could say, you know, what what spawned it. Um, I, I I was trying to think about movies that I that like just looking back are kind of terrible. But uh, they tried, like Cyborg with Jean Claude Van Damme. That movie, it it really tried. Like, you watch it, and if you're eight, you inside something inside of you, some empathetic thing watches that movie and goes, yeah, this is the coolest movie. Yeah. It's not, yeah. but it's it's obviously really wanted to be the coolest movie. So yeah. I'll give it to him. And and when you're like 30 and you watch the movie, it's like shit, man. What what were they thinking? This is Cherry 2002. Like what was yeah. going on in this movie? <laughs> um, but but at least there was an attempt. You know, there was something in right. there where they tried to do it. They're not trying with Sharktopus and giant Cocktopus or whatever else they're trying to make. <laughs> None of it. I and I wonder like. Who who's buying it? Who's supporting it? You know they say like spam. Like they nobody would send you like enl- penis enlargement emails if they if it didn't work. Yeah. Like it, it, not if the, the penis enlargement pills don't work. But if if people didn't click and buy something, there would be there would be no way that somebody could afford all the servers they need to get past blacklists and you know shoot all these emails everywhere. Um, Something is supporting it. I, I think what we need to do is route out that something. Like, whoa, is that is that a Tanya? Yeah, I think we have Tanya. Or not. 
She just, she just entered the matrix. <laughs> no, that was the Sharknado. Yeah. She is she is actually broadcasting from the Sharknado. She's in the helicopter about to drop the, the little canister of propane into the middle of the Sharknado to destroy it. I actually, so, I'm gonna, Tanya asked me to read her stuff for her. Yeah, so go we, for it. I'm gonna, she, she says, quote, Has anyone gone to one of those room screenings, screenings where everyone makes fun of the movie and throws forks and stuff? Uh Quote, it was one of the broiest, mean-spirited experiences I'd ever, I'd ever had. Uh, did not enjoy it. Although I think she just popped back in, so she might talk. Um, Andrew, you were raising your hand. What did you have to say about it? No, I, you know, oh, I, I actually, I, I walked out of bad movie night that we did locally. Um, it was like, a, I couldn't decide if it was fuck them or fuck me, to be honest yeah. with you. Because, uh, and they've been doing it for a couple of years now. I went to the first two. And they showed movies that you know, I, they're 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 corny and cheesy and stuff, and you do laugh. But the movie, you let the movie be entertaining in its badness, yeah. let's say. And um, then I went uh, one night, and they were showing uh, Rats: Night of Terror, the Bruno Mattei movie. Sure, right. And uh, you know, I love him. I love Women's Prison Massacre. That's a fucking that's a classic, you know. So Burial I was like, ground. Yeah, and, and exactly. So I was going like, all right. Um, I'm sure that we'll find things as a as a group to laugh at. But there were guys, and it's like what Tanya was saying. There were guys that were the self-appointed mystery science theater of the, uh. of the room there, and they just started saying shit, and they were loud. And I, you know what I mean. And I was going like, well, wait a minute. Why don't I let this movie do what it does to me? Why don't I like let yeah, that? Happen? Right. Why don't we collectively laugh at it and all of that? <laughs> then I got to think. At first, I was mad at them. You know, and I got up, I walked out, and I walked out a bad movie night, which is free. And I go to the manager, Sarah, and I'm like, Sarah, are those guys, like, do they, are they the people that organize Bad Movie Night? Are they part of this thing? And she's like, I don't know. I don't have anything to do with it. I don't know if those are the guys or not. So I was like, it wasn't like this the last two times. I actually enjoyed myself. Um, so I got on Facebook when I got back, and I was just like, if these guys are going to be at Bad Movie Night every week, I'm not coming because that is really fucked up. I don't need those guys. They're not comedians. They're not good mm-hmm. writers. Mystery Science right. Theater people are hilarious. They yeah. are really funny. They are writers. They are, you know what I'm saying? So these guys aren't. They're just, they think they are. And I was mad Drunk at that. Drunk dudes that want to exactly. come and just tackle. Yep. So, the, so the Bad Movie Night guy basically said, look, it's a free thing. And, you know, get over it. This is, it's, it's Bad Movie Night. What did you expect? And I'm like, hmm, maybe... I love bad movies. Like, really, really love them. And and I don't think that just anyone should be allowed to publicly fuck with them. So is that my problem? Or, you know... But to answer your question, if I may... If I can... If everybody's okay with me theorizing about bad, bad movie thing. Absolutely. I think it's what we're here for, I, right? Let, let's right, okay. Well, I didn't want to take up, the you know, too much time. No, go right ahead. Um, I honestly, uh, I think it's an American Idol and the, cu- the the culture of judgment that we kind of have because of that, where um, because we don't do anything or can't do or don't have the guts to do, we take that power and give it back to ourselves by taking it away from someone that is doing something, even if we, through our whatever filters of what is good, it doesn't pass all the little check marks. Because I was talking to someone about Miley Cyrus today, who I didn't give two shits about before there was this uproar about, uh, it's, a guy wrote an article about whether or not she's, about her being punk as fuck. He calls Miley Cyrus punk as fuck. <laughs> and there were all these old punks in the thread, like, matter going, oh, she wouldn't last two seconds. I hope Gigi Allen shits on her course. Oh, and all of this Christ. stuff. And I was like, you know what? Miley Cyrus is not a punk. And here's why. 
because punks are the people in the audience judging what the artist is doing on stage with their arms folded like this, knowing they will never have the guts to be that awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I really, I really think that um, I think it's all part of the uh, the culture of judgment more so than anything else. People are just like it's easier just to sort of like minus away from art because we have to pay attention to it anyway. Well, it's also I think some of it is too is I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of it is this this culture of negativity um, where you know the the loudest jerk is usually the one that's heard by the most people as long as they they try to frame it in some sort of comedy and and like you and like all you guys I grew up loving these kind of movies because. You never knew what to expect with these movies, where you know what to expect with the majority of Holly, Holly board films, where you kind of walk into them and you already know what the hell's going to happen. Where if I were to <laughs> literally take home robot jocks, what the fuck is going to happen in this film? Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know? So, so <laughs> to I, me. I wanna, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Ahead. I wanted to riff on that before we go too far uh, into moving away from the the culture thing. I want to riff on on what was just said about the the bad movie night thing. I recently had had a shocking like a a terrifying experience. Um, they were showing because of some anniversary or something. They were showing war games, an original thirty five millimeter print of war games, and I'm like, oh shit! I'm gonna go watch. This is. This is the shit. This is War Games. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, War Games is a good film. There, there, we're not, this shouldn't even be talked about during during the, the podcast about shitty films. This is a great movie. I went into War Games, and the entire theater was populated with people who were ready for it to be a shitty 80s movie. Yeah. For, for what reason? I don't know. Uh, because they had been trained, I guess, by this, like... MST3K thing that were sort of like, but they were they they were they were all younger. They were all uh, and none of them even gave it a second. Like it opens and he picks up a phone and they they laugh. They that's a joke because he picked up like a, a dialogue. Now the, doesn't matter that he takes the phone and puts it on a, like this badass modem device. They, yeah. they laugh at that. Like every time he said anything, Matthew Broderick opened his mouth. People were laughing and they I don't think they knew why they were laughing. No, I think they were they were just taught like. It's cheesy in the 80s, so laugh, guys. Ha, ha, ha. But it's not really. Um, we're, I'm by the Sif Uptown Theater, and they're showing Krull tomorrow. They're doing this totally 80s Tuesday. Yeah. That's right. badass. And they're, they're showing Krull, but it's not. I don't want to go because it's not. They're not showing Krull to show you fucking. I mean, Krull isn't the greatest movie, but it has. It tries, man. It goes. It goes oh, as yeah, far absolutely. as it can go with the budget mm-hmm. and time and knowledge it had. I, I mean, seriously, I'm, I don't want to, like. <laughs> I want to be a dig. I have a fucking, I have a, I have a crawl rewrite script. I, not a rewrite, but like a, a retelling. I, I've, re- I've written it. Like I've written crawl. Like I'm so into crawl. I don't want to sit there in the theater and listen to a bunch of asshats <sighs> mock it for the sake of mocking it and for no reason. Like because it's 80s or because it's 90s. I don't, I don't understand where it comes from. And I think that that's something we should try to. At least, you know, maybe it's not the main topic of the conversation, but we need to figure out what the hell happened. Like, that's well, Can you guys hear me? Yes. Absolutely. Awesome. When I was a kid, one of my best friends had the crawl board game. Mm. We used to play that all the time. That's badass. That's awesome. I, I, think, I think one thing we can learn from Clark, too, is, and this is, I'm being serious in this, because I, I love the soundtrack for it. I, lo- I miss synthesizer music in movies. I did oh, too. I, I missed that was that was a big '80s thing, but I always got such a kick out of that, watching 
stuff like that in uh, God, like Sword the Sorcerer, they would throw in these you know these weird synthesizer sounds yeah. that just kind of fit with the movie. Yeah. Dude, I, I just watched Legend last night for the first time in a long time, oh. and Tangerine Dream did that one, and that yeah. was an amazing yeah. soundtrack. That's why I yeah. miss, and I, was, I, I forgot who I talked to about this, but I miss films like that. I yeah. really do. You know, where, where now all fantasy is like, the last film I watched that was, that was like that or built like that was The Hobbit. And um, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of uh, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films. I love them, but The Hobbit was just so soulless to me. It just like there was nothing in it that grabbed me. Um, everything felt very distant and very cold. And even though it's supposed to be this, you know, a charming, heartwarming kind of like, The Hobbit is like the fun story of the Lord of the Rings and that whole Middle Earth thing. And it just felt so canned and i can't i want to go back to stuff like like you were like crawl and like legend and like labyrinth yeah. and like all of these kind of films because there's something tangible about them those yeah. things, those people were reacting and enacting in the in the synthesizer score like there's some great films that are being made now with synthesizer score i mean the taint had a really great synthesizer score uh throughout it um batman the dark knight returns part mm-hmm. 1 that's that reminded me of like a carpenter score. It was so well done. I love hearing stuff like that, and I wish there would be more of you know more care taken as opposed to uh, not to not to get too far off of uh, the the subject. But Tanya, what what are your kind of thoughts on uh, the bad movie culture? Well. Uh, like I was um, said before in the chat, I had gone to a screening of the room. Like everybody was talking about the room, the room, the room. I'd never seen it or anything, and um, there was this screening at one of our local theaters, and it was advertised as like um, like Rocky Horror Picture Show. People join in and this kind of thing. And when I went to see it, it was um, super mean spirited, and it really kind of turned my stomach. I started out enjoying it. Some of the things were funny. People were like throwing forks at the screen and stuff. And, um, but you know, I noticed everybody there was super, you know, like, um, I, I mean this, uh, yeah, broy, just super drunk broy kind of people and just dudes like the bad kind of dudes and really, really mean spirited. And it just turned my stomach and the whole experience was just yucky to me and it's not fun at all I mean Rocky Horror Picture Show the, you're joining in and there's like a joyous you're with the movie and this was very much against the movie and very negative well, yeah, I mean, you, the room has no songs <laughs> the room well, was not a musical well I understand that the movie is totally different it's not like you can join in with, like Rocky Horror Picture Show but just the fact that that experience existed. It was, it was like the antithesis of, of something like well, it's because they're making fun of it. They're exactly. making exactly. sort of a movie that a guy tried hard to make. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I was agreeing with you, Tanya. I was saying like one of the movies is is meant to be fun and sung along with, and the other yeah. movie was something that a guy tr- spent millions of dollars trying to make an amazing film. Yeah. So one is inherently mean spirited. Well, right. and, and the weird yeah. thing about the room is, I really felt like there's a sense of that he 
really was trying to say something with that movie, although as awkward and weird and not quite hitting the mark as it was, I yeah. did kind of feel that that came through. It's it, it's such a, it, I, I think a lot of it is you know it it started out its its life and as something like you guys said that people made fun of it never found an audience that honestly loved it for what it was it's kind of the same way with Troll Two but because I I remember my experience with Troll Two was my brother and I uh, taped it because we were looking forward to it uh, because we liked Troll One when we were kids, and we taped uh, Troll 2 off of uh, Cinemax, or the movie channel, when it when its first run in the in the early 90s when it came out. And I, I gotta be honest, I thought it was a total piece of shit. And my, bro- my brother was fascinated with it. He was just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever watched. And I'm like, why? Because it's horrible. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get it, and he. We ended up. It ended up becoming something with us, where it was something for us to do together. Because he would turn it on, and I'd end up watching it. And so I kind of understand, you know, a little bit of the phenomena with with Troll Two that I didn't even realize that we weren't the only people that were doing this with this film. To where now the room, because of like YouTube culture, became this thing that everyone just pointed at and it was I, I thought a lot of a lot of the reviews and critiques and the culture was like you said really mean spirited and when I finally fi- saw it while I thought you know there was a lot of it that was funny because it was very awkward and unintentionally funny um, it was a really uncomfortable film for me I watched it with my wife and uh, my friend Justin Prop, who's uh, the, the co-writer and director of a film we worked on called Swamphead and we were in the midst of post on that film, and we, you know, to take a break, we, we decided to pop in the room, and I remember just sitting there, and we're all just kind of looking at each other, because it's essentially a softcore porn for, for I, like, a good percentage of it. I feel like he was trying to make, you know, like, those late-night uh, relationship thriller-type movies? Yeah. I yeah, feel like yeah. he was going for that. Yeah, but his, I think his major downfall was him being in it. Um, if 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 there would have been another actor in there, I don't think we we would even be talking about it today. It would have been lumped in the same kind of silk stockings, you know, Shannon Tweed, mid '90s Skinamax kind of, you know, the Red Shoe Diaries, Red Shoe Diaries market, and we wouldn't be talking about it today. Instead, we have him, who I mean, bless his soul, and I'm I don't mean anything horrible about this but he looks like Frankenstein I mean when he's naked he just looks he's very awkward looking and just like those sex scenes are the most uncomfortable sex scenes I probably ever sat through and I've watched water power so I mean just like (laughs) oh god I have water power stories you don't even want to hear (laughs) so I mean there's I I don't know I don't really know where to come out on this because in one one on one side, I am part of the culture because I've I've always loved it, and I do like unintentionally really bad movies and find joy in them. But at the same time, this I, I really shied away from Sharknado because it just rung is so untrue to me to have a studio purposely make something for everyone to make fun of. I mean, there's something very odd about that well, to me. 
I think part of it too is, I mean, no, the majority of I know, I know Tanya's. A, I think you're a bit younger than the rest of, like Derek and I, who are freaking ancient. Oh um, come on now. I mean, we well, I mean, as far as like <laughs> the, we grew up on on the the video store, and we grew up in that culture. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the younger people, because I've been to a couple of the bad movie things where there's always a couple of the, the douchey hipster dude bros. The thing is, is they're all almost always like guys in their like their teens and their twenties, who never, you know, the the bad movies they've experienced are the bad movies that Hollywood has made, which as bad as they are, still have you know, two hundred million dollar budgets. They've never yeah. really watched the stuff that we watched. Yeah, you know, they're, they're not Andy Milligan movies. Yeah, I mean, they just they didn't they didn't experience what we and even the good movies when we were kids are still kind of, I mean, you compare you know, some of the great ones, you compare them today, the production quality is terrible, the sound is, isn't that great, the video's not that great, the stories are kind of so-so. I mean, you have some good movies that just, they don't translate to, to current day. And they've never really experienced that. Yeah, they, they laugh at all the stuff in the 80s because they really have no clue about what it was because if they were alive, they were like two. <laughs> well, not only that, but it was easier for them to like. It's easier for them to. It's easier for them to get that stuff too. You know, that's part of it. Is like they don't place the same value on those movies that we did because yeah. they have access to all of them. They can watch them on Netflix, but that's just the thing. It's not something that was like had had to go out and get and had to commit to the purchase. And, and, and uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, it's it boils down to like I think pride not being uh having anything to do with it, and I think it's not cool to be to uh to have pride uh, in your choices and things like that, or even to own them. Because, um, you know, I guess we would kind of all agree that Ed Wood is the symbol of, uh, of bad movie making, or at least he's, you know, always culturally considered the worst. Right, the demigod of it. Yeah, but, um, you know, in uh, Rudolph Gray's Nightmare of Ecstasy, the last, when they're in those final pages about the, the end of Ed Wood's life, um, one of the interviewees says uh, it wasn't the alcohol that killed him, it was his pride, you know? And um, because he really believed what he was doing was really good, and how yeah. many of us, when we were young, bought something that we weren't that, that our friends maybe made fun of? You know, I can remember a buddy of mine bought Tim Dog's Penicillin on Wax album, and it was a one of those diss artists who basically existed to uh, talk shit about all the other gangster rappers. That was his whole career was based yeah. on. And we were listening to it, it was like, man, he's just his whole every song is about fucking NWA and fuck Easy and fuck all these other guys. His music isn't really that good. My friend's like, no, 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 this is awesome. This is awesome. It was awesome because he spent his money on it. And he bought yeah. it, and he then yeah. had to own that, and he had that pride that he couldn't let go of. The kids that he's talking about, the ones that make fun of everything, the hipsters and stuff, it's so easy for them to get and discard anything that they want, any movie they can right. just look up. So and there's going in, there's no value placed on it. They didn't pay for it, you know what I mean? And it was easily gotten, and therefore, what uh, what value does it have? What pride could they have in it? What ownership could they have? And maybe it's not even cool to, to be proud to them, but you know? And they have practically unlimited choice now, too. Yeah, right. absolutely. When I, would, when I would go to the video store, there'd be times I'm like, well, fuck, I've seen everything here. <laughs> you know, and, and well, especially it'd be in like, a small it'd be like town. a joy when like, that new movie would come out. I'm like, what's this? Breeders. Okay, I've never seen that. We'll just grab Breeders that one. Breeders. I think that <laughs> attitude is true of movies in general. Like, I think people don't have an appreciation of 
a film as an art form because there's because things are so readily available. I I think I feel like I've just seen that. And I made a film right coming right out of school that my teacher showed to other students um, in the years after I was out of school. And I remember somebody came up to me and recognized me from the film and said, oh, hey, you made this um, short film, Clever Elson. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you know, we saw it at the beginning of class. And I was like, I hate this. This, this is crazy. I mean, it's it's based on a Grimm's fairy tale. It's very weird. And, um, and he was like, but by the time I graduated class, I thought I had a lot of respect for this yeah. film. And I really enjoyed it in a different way. Awesome. And I think people don't understand what it takes to make it they don't have an appreciation people that i'm saying everybody but you know what i mean like yeah the the lay person that's just has you know cable and netflix at their fingertips and i don't think there is an appreciation for what goes into what you're doing and the choices that people make absolutely well, that's, that's only I, gonna that, get worse well that's that is that is kind of the whole point of why um jason paul column and I went and made uh, Screaming in High Heels, the documentary on uh, Linnea Quigley, uh, <laughs> Michelle Bauer, <laughs> and Brink Stevens was because, one, Jason um, has always been a fan of uh, Brink Stevens because she kind of helped him along to, you know, guide him on a track to work, originally work she's with awesome. David Dakota. Oh, she's amazing. I've, I've fort- been fortunate enough to actually work with her on a movie. Um, but... She, uh, we, the whole point of the, the film was these are these are three people and the the filmmakers that are that surrounded them, uh, Fred Olin Ray and Dave Dakota and Kenneth Hall and uh, Ted Newsom and Richard Gabai were the other people that were all involved in the film that are that were always looked down upon by by the greater populace of you know film culture and cinema. Um, as late night, you know, channel fodder and uh, video store shelf space films, um, and didn't realize the the amount of work and the, the little amount of money that they were given and how what they had to go through, and that they still be, became part of the mass culture. Like they they're they're regarded by a lot of people as being important to them in their lives in their cinema lives, and. Uh, it's it's unfortunate when when you find people that that just live to shit all over all over stuff when you or I um, love and grew up with films like uh, Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama or Nightmare Sisters or, or stuff like that. So you know that's that's why you know there there are some of us out there that that do believe that uh, this stuff is culturally important. And don't look down upon it. Maybe, maybe we, you know, there every. I can't ever say that uh, I would purposely put in murder weapon and say this is a really great film. No way, it's not good at all. Um, but, 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 but there's something enjoyable about it that I'm. I'm not going to sit and like seek out the people and hatefully like throw knives at them the way I think a lot of internet culture is now, you know, I mean, just look at bat, bat flick, that whole uh, controversy that happened over just a guy getting a role in a fucking movie. But anyways, I'm just like this, this whole thing is just rather strange to me altogether. So can I play devil's advocate for a second? Um, we said, uh, we were talking about how it's gotten, you know, the, the people don't have the, 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 
the value for the object, the one film value. Like, you know, I, I usually take two, take home two videos. My mom would, you know, you could take home two. And so those two videos had to be the best two videos, you know, because I was going to be watching them until we went back. And who knows when we're going to go back? Is it next week? Is it the following week or whatever? Um, and there was value there. But the devil's advocate point I want to point out, like uh, Tanya said, it's just going to keep getting worse. You know, if we, if we have access to YouTube and we have access to uh, Netflix and, you know, all this other stuff, the cable it has a billion channels, it is going to keep getting worse. But but the devil's advocate point, the devil's advocacy I want to play is, uh, is that worse? I mean, doesn't that at, at this point, aren't, aren't, don't we just have a an audience that's changed I mean, there was an audience that would never have accepted Star Wars. That audience was 20 years before Star Wars. I mean, that would have people that would have been a ridiculous concept. I mean, it would mm. just not have worked. That's not what movies are. That's not what we do. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's so. I think, I, I I think we have to, as filmmakers at least, adapt to this audience and try to capture it. That's our job is to entertain people. If you're making a movie just for you, man, I don't think you're making movies. I mean, you're, you're, make, you're making a piece of entertainment for someone. If it's just for you, write it on a piece of paper and eat it. Like, because that's... I make movies just for me. I, I, I disagree with that. Really? So, yeah, I do. So you, you actually put organize, script, write, spend money on, and shoot something that you'd be fine with in a vault in your basement. Nobody else needs to see it. No, that's, you, you didn't I don't think that's people? true at all. No, no, I don't think that's true at all. I think, you know, our conversation about Andy Kopp was, was dead on about what, what this is, that I think some people feel the urge, regardless of whether or not it's going to be a financial uh, success, that that they have something to say that needs to be exercised out of them. And yeah, it, maybe somebody else someone, will find right? value in that. The right. thing is, you're not the only person that's going to find value in that if, it, if you know, you put your heart, your blood, sweat, and tears into a piece of art. Yeah, but we're talking about like robot jocks, though. I mean, well, robot Stuart jocks. Gordon wasn't trying to <laughs> exercise a demon with robot jocks. I mean, most of the the bad movies we're going to talk about, I don't think, are the kind of movies we're we're, we're talking about. This sort of no. ease of use or ease of getting. Uh, an example that I I wanted to bring up was. Um, we all know South Park. Everybody loves South Park. It's amazing. It's been going for a billion years. It's The Simpsons two, whatever. Uh, South Park hit it struck where the iron was perfectly hot um there was no youtube there was no ability to get and see some crazy shit this one time it was not you know the little the santa versus jesus that was not the funniest thing that ever happened on earth ever but it was funny <laughs> enough that somebody could take a videotape or email somebody a file they were emailing around like shitty movie files back and forth and that that right, was. I remember seeing it that way. Yeah, that was like pre-YouTube, yeah. YouTube, and they were like, "Shit, this is like a thing, guys. Let's do it." And they dumped a bunch of money into this show. So, and they, meaning studios, some you know, people obviously like this. I'll make it happen. But right now, the the genus of um uh, uh the, the, like the spawn point for uh for for South Park is happening. A thousand times a day on YouTube. Somebody's right. doing the one thing, just the one show that they and their friends put together, just like Trey Parker and Matt Snow. Yes, they're cool. Yes, they did other movies. Yes, they did trauma. Whatever. But but there are people who, who've been throwing together really cool stuff, some of it way better than Jesus versus Santa Claus um, on a daily basis on YouTube, but it's ignored. 
Because the culture has shifted to such a degree that it's not enough to just make this funny shit joke this one time anymore. It's got to be something bigger, better. I think that's why Hollyboard, as you call it, is attempting to make, like, what can we blow up the planet every 30 seconds? Because yeah, it's not enough just to just much. have... Yeah, so how do we how do we change the paradigm? How do we how do we make something interesting? Like we were talking about found earlier. I love found. I thought found was amazing. I've seen it multiple times. We've motivational growth is screened next to it. They're just it's great. Um, however, there's stuff in found that's pretty raw, and I think oh, it's yeah. pretty raw because oh, yeah. they need you need to take the step. You need to say, well, how are you going to remember my movie? Well, I'll be fucking the corpse. That's how I'll be the guy with the the dick and the severed head, just like in High Tension. Like that's how you'll remember me. And that's that's how you remember this film. High Tension. I remember two parts: the chick with the big circular saw that's on the cover when she's running on the street, the circular saw, and the corpse, the head, the head. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the blow job are, with the head. Right, yeah, because that was those are the sensational bits. I mean, yeah, I remember the rest, but not those don't stick out. When I think. High tension, head, head, circular saw. Because those were the two weird things they threw in there so that you'd remember them. How do we as filmmakers make engaging, interesting, powerful stories that don't require us to blow up the, the world every every 30 seconds? And I'd like to go bring it back to the bad movies thing because we've kind of gotten into a cultural thing. Um, we try making bad movies, man. We try to make Do- Dr. Mordred. We try Because do- you watch Dr. Mordred. That's, that's a, a movie bad that... Movie. No, that, that's my point. We watch movies that people call bad. We, 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 I'm sorry, we make movies that people will call that. We make movies that say, hey, you know what would be cool? A wizard living in the penthouse apartment in New York and in his bad bedroom is actually a portal to another world and that you actually go to and there's, there's stop-motion animation and there's animatronics and there's all the... Like, go farther, not louder. Right. You know, do something deeper than... I don't mean deep like, oh my God, I'm a boy who has feelings. I mean... More story, like deeper, deeper into the story. You know, a lot of people like Guillermo del Toro because, you know, you you watch a movie and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, like Pan's Labyrinth was baffling. Like, I'm sorry, I don't think that was a good movie. I was a baffling movie, and it was a beautifully baffling movie. There was, you know, it took a, a kind of a convoluted story and 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 shoved it down the rabbit hole, and we got to go with the rabbit hole. That kind of thing stands out on its own and doesn't need to blow everything up. And I think that right now, Sharknado is what's blowing everything up. It's effectively the cheapest way to blow up the world every 10 seconds for the dumb audience who sees, you know, kids putting bottle rockets up their assholes on YouTube, like in a supercut, <laughs> like 90 minutes of the bottle bottle rocket asshole supercut. Or I was just – look, I'm, I'm a victim. I, I've watched – yesterday I found myself watching the 20-minute the supercut of, of people getting run over by – Russian dash cam enabled cars. Like, that was just a thing. Just watched it for 20 minutes. Just watching dudes just getting hit. And they do this thing because the dash cams are there for security and for um, insurance, right? So people will walk out and they'll see a car and they'll step forward and tap the car and go, Wah! and fly through the air so that they can then sue because now you have a video record of you. So it's just hilarious. And that's what entertainment is. So how do we as filmmakers get a hold of that? And, and make movies that aren't going to be perceived as bad. Uh, I, I think there are three types of bad film that we, we, we've been talking about. There's, like, the shitty movie, which is just bro thinks he's making the best thing ever. It's The Room. Guy thinks he, he spends $6 million on something. You don't spend $6 million on a, on a really subtle joke. Like, that's, a, you know, how he's, he's come out and said Tommy West. I was like, no, 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 it was funny all along. You... You don't spend no, six million dollars. No, no, oh, he's backtracking there. Right, exactly. You don't spend six million dollars on the, the world's subtlest joke. That doesn't. That's not the case. No. And then there's the Sharknado, the 
the giant shark versus mega octopus, the whatever, the like ironic, it's bad, so it's good, come watch it and get drunk and not pay attention because you don't really pay attention anyway. Right. Like those movies. Right. And then there's the third, and the, the third is the one that I'm, I'm keying off of most, the one that I, I super don't understand, uh, is the great movie, the excellent movie, the movie that dared, the movie that tried, that people call bad because of some arbitrary thing. Krull has the costumes Boxed are a little... Yeah, or yeah, box office. Good example, box office. Um, you know, Judge Dredd, the, the new. I'm sorry, just Dredd. The Dredd. Dredd. People are like that's a terrible movie. That's a fucking amazing film. That's a, it's it's a it's a stellar film. It yep. it it has a tiny scope and it hits everything in that scope perfectly. Like it just says, listen, this is what you're gonna get. This little box, and it's gonna be the best version of this box available. And it's amazing, but it didn't do well. So of course, nobody even saw it. I would know why would I go see that dumb movie? It's a horrible movie. I've seen plenty of movies that come out recently that are bad movies that that are really not bad movies and you know all, all through our there's just there's a countless list of them so um if those are the three types we're talking about let's let's maybe hold off on or s- s- strike from the record the great movies that are are bad movies and talk about the other two the like really shitty ones and like the ironically shitty ones right does that make sense or no absolutely so so i guess let's let's I, I asked everyone to kind of bring to the table what their personal worst film they had first seen. And I know I would get from you guys an honest, straight answer. It's not going to be like, well, I watched Spring Breakers. That was the worst <laughs> movie I've ever seen. No, oh, I, I Spring Breakers. So, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I'm not I a big Harmony Korine fan, to be honest, but because Trash Humper's totally it's oh, nothing man. like that, dude. You'll love. I it. wish I, I wish I could just like yank that out of my memory that I actually watched it. But anyways, let's let's go down the line. I want to start with Tanya. Um, what would you consider the absolute worst film you have ever seen? Uh, that question's kind of hard. I've been trying to think about it. Um, two of the really, really bad, like two of the ones that I consider some of the worst films I've ever seen. Um, one was Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> okay. And I saw that in the theater with my family, who I think at least kind of enjoyed it, and I was just like, the whole time. Um, and also, Bullworth. I did not enjoy that one. I, I want to hear, uh, I kind of want to hear a little bit of reasoning behind behind this as well. Um, so, so what was it about Bullworth that you, that made you so repulsed that it is the worst film you have ever seen? Have you guys seen Bullworth? Which, remind oh, yeah. me, what is Bullworth again? It's the one with, um... Um, oh, I'm blanking on the guy. Yeah, Warren Beatty, and he plays this um, okay. politician, okay. Yeah. and he like sees the light one day and decides to be really honest and truthful, and and he uses rap as his medium. And I mean, I I see where he was going. Just so many of the segments I thought were silly and embarrassing, and was hard to sit through, especially since I felt like. He was trying to be sincere. It was just hard to swallow. Yeah. Sometimes it seems to be what ends up ultimately becoming, you know, the vanity project, as it will, you know, uh, that that people tend to just kind of self-implode with that kind of thing. Uh, Andrew, are you still there? Yeah, I hope I'm still here. Yeah, I can't. You you have you don't have a, a face anymore on my little uh, screen, so I just want to make sure there. No, I'm definitely Um, man. Awesome. Um, so, let's move. Let's move on to you. What is your worst film you have ever seen? 
Uh, well, since uh, since I have been a reviewer or whatever for a really long time, and I did a blog of just micro budget, my worst movie thing uh, categories are split up into big release stuff and stuff that I you know micro budget stuff that I've mm-hmm. watched. And the, and the reason that I that I split them up like that is because. Um, one is you know millions and millions of dollars wrapped up in it, and therefore you, there are people on the crew that are legit doing their job and working as hard as they can. And so if a movie ends up not being that good, well, uh, you know that's just my that's my personal problem. taste. But with yeah. a with a with a low budget or a micro budget thing, if that one's awful, uh, you know, and it's like intentional, like the people just weren't even trying; they were just like winking at the camera. Oh, we know this is bad. We're not really trying. I'm like personally offended by that as a person who yeah. like really tries hard to make movies as good as I can. And I, I make Doctor Humpenstein's erotic castle. Tried, I busted my ass making that movie. You know what I'm saying? I built that set in my basement here. I mean, I, I really did. And yeah, the walls moved, but fuck, I really meant it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And You're I don't right. give a shit how dumb that sounds. So in terms of like Hollywood things, the worst. Uh, the worst thing that I, I can think of that I that ever came uh, across my across my face was uh, the Repossessed with Leslie Nielsen and Linda oh Blair. Oh boy! <laughs> yes. And, oh, uh, yes. and I'll, I'll tell you why that one is really really terrible. It's because uh, very talented people who uh, should have known better uh, were um, making a movie that was sort of in that airplane vein. You know what I mean? But uh, Airplane, the reason why Airplane and all those movies are good is because of how sincere they play it, you know? And that's the way that mm-hmm. the, the, the Zucker brothers and Abrams, they'll, t- they'll all tell you that uh, they told they picked the actors that were dramatic, not for comedic actors, and told them to just play that shit like it was... And we all know that's a rule of comedy. Play it straight is the funniest yeah. stuff. That's like, but uh, Repossessed completely ignores that, but its biggest crime is that it just recycles jokes from pop culture. They make the John yep. Elway going to Disneyland. They, they, uh, she at one point goes up to the camera and goes, I'm Bobble Walters, and this is 2020. Like, uh, recycling a Saturday Night Live joke, you know what I mean? I was just, I was embarrassed for them when I was watching it. You ever see or hear something that just makes you go, I'm sorry, like, I'm embarrassed because I'm a human being, and you're another human being, and you've done this thing. You know what I mean? You ever get that And you're doing you know? this in public. Yeah, and I, I just, you know, so that to me is the worst there. Um, as far as low-budget things are concerned, uh, for me it is a cross between, I can't say Birdemic because Birdemic is an entire discussion for me, and I think you and I have maybe had that. Yeah, um, and we can have that discussion here if we, we can, so but choose, but I think really, we kind of already have. Yeah, it really would need to be its own thing. So I'm going to leave Birdemic out of it and my feelings for that, and if anybody wants to know what they are, we can do it. Uh, there's a movie called Chaos, that I saw, and I was so mad at Chaos that I refused to review it in my blog. And the reason yeah. I refused to review it in my blog was because these shitheads, and I call them shitheads, and they can find who are and beat me up because they're big muscle bullies that made it, you know? But um, it's a ripoff of Last House on the Left. It's a remake of Last House on the Left. Shamelessly bad. And it's worse than the remake that they very made of Last House on the Left. Yeah. It's a very mean-spirited movie. Really and um, um and they, they completely denied up and down that they'd ever even seen Last House on the Left or heard of it, which is bullshit. Total bullshit. Because there's no way you haven't heard of that movie. But also, and what what really just stick it in and broke it off for me was in the bonus features, because I watch all of it. I listen to the commentaries. I want to know. Especially if I hate the movie, I want to know. I want to know where I went wrong. I'm assuming yeah. you're an expert, and I'm the dipshit that didn't understand it. Uh, in his uh, bonus features of Chaos, he's at the morgue. He's at the morgue, this guy, going like, I'm going to show you how, how hardcore I am. We're going to the morgue, brother. 
I'm like, wasn't he a wrestler? Yeah, he was a wrestler. He's just muscle. And it was almost like, I don't want to like shit on this movie because he's going to find me and punch me in the face. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So I want to say that, um, you know, Burdemic aside, because like I said, that's a whole other discussion. Uh, Chaos is was to me the worst on the low budget level and Possessed was the worst on the uh, on the big budget. I think that's a really good way to go about this because I also feel the same way you do is I think there's a differentiation between Hollywood bad and uh, low micro budget indie, it, indie bad. Yeah, but it's um, still it's whether or not you meant it, whether or not you tried, whether or not you were mm-hmm. sincere. And I feel like in the case of, of, of Repossessed, it was they didn't give a shit and thought I was an idiot and they didn't care and they sleepwalked through the whole thing. And it yeah. was just like, and it's The Exorcist. Which, you know, I watch almost every Sunday. And so, you know, but then again, the chaos, I was just like, wow, how fucking terrible can you be against your audience? You know what I mean? Like, who do you think's watching this? Horror fans are going to watch this. They've seen that movie. Asshole. Yeah. Yep. Ugh, that, that movie's disgusting. Uh, Glenn, go for it. Um, actually, like Andrew, I actually have the two different distinctions. I have the... the lower independent kind of low budget stuff and I have the big screen and my big screen one well that's front of the 13th whoa no I'm what? fucking I'm fucking Jesus. with you I'm, I'm about fucking, to reach through this I was about I'm to reach through this you. screen no I love front of the 13th actually whoa um, nothing but trouble <laughs> nothing but trouble oh uh, boy Falconvania what a f- and the big, it, it's not even that the movie's bad. It's the fact that you, it's, it is like a nail in the coffin of all the guys I loved when I was really young. Because you've got, it's Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase and John Candy. I'm like, and it fucking sucks. The humor's terrible. Project. I mean, it's, it's absolutely terrible. Um, that's all I want to say about that because I don't like thinking about it. <laughs> as, as far as the lower budget, uh, it would be uh, it was Hot Rod Girls Save the World. What was that again? Say that again. Hot Rod Girls Save the World. I've seen that. I am not aware of that one. It's it it got some press because one of the girls who was in it, there was a shooting in Seattle like two years ago, and she the one of the actresses got killed. Now, mind you, this is like three years after the movie was made. Yeah. But the movie itself is it's it's not very good, and it. It smacks so much of the of the director and the director writer his ego, and there are parts of it that are so incredibly dull and so incredibly boring that you actually get mad watching this. And I actually reviewed it, and this is one that led to a nice long flame war with the director on my YouTube page, where he admits that he intentionally made part of it boring to piss off the audience, and then he gets mad because I said I was bored. I'm like. How can, you should be happy. You achieved exactly what you wanted to do. And just everything about, the, I mean, the, you made, uh, I forget who it was, made the comment earlier about Ed Wood, what killed him was his pride. Oh, God, that guy's pride is nothing compared to the fucking ego on this dude. I mean, everything in this guy's film, if you listen to him, everything was perfect. The sound was absolutely perfect. Every camera angle was absolutely perfect. There is nothing that could be improved in his film, if you ask him. If you watch it, it's terrible. And I didn't recommend watching it because it, it, it is a bad movie and the guy's a complete douche. And I don't I remember want other every, people to 
give him, you know, page views or anything. I remember every director that ever wrote me and attacked me. There weren't that many, but in every instance, it was some shit like that where you call them on it, you know, and they don't like that. Yeah, yeah well, I hit. Oh, the way ahead, that guy called me too was he criticized my review using the exact same words that I used to criticize his film. I'm like, that's the best you got? Well, you know, and this is this is part of the double-edged sword of the internet now. And I, I always go to a story um, that uh, Greg Lambertson, the director of Slime City, had, um, in which he uh, talked about uh, the film The Perfect House, which Felissa Rose was in, and there was a huge flame war with him and the director, um, who actually like seeked out his wife and started. Uh, slamming her and all this other stuff um, just because he didn't like the film and it's just like you got that's a real double-edged sword you gotta you gotta watch out I remember a while back I uh, I when I before I was actively you know making films or involved in making films I I also wrote for a, a website and uh, I did a, a review for um, retarded uh, by uh, Rip Popkow, yeah, and in uh, Monstered, and I did it. I did it in uh, one review for both of the films, in which, you know, I I wasn't the the nicest about it, but I had Rip Popkow actually contact me, and um, he was he was really nice about. It. He's like, yeah, we I I mean, you totally, uh, yeah, we didn't have our sound sucks and this and that and this and that. And ultimately, it ended up becoming one of these things where him and I started talking quite a bit. And uh, he let me interview him after I had a review that completely just tore their movie to fucking bits. And I think it was after that that I finally stood, I, I stepped back, and I was just like, what am I doing? Why am I, why am I writing things like this? And why am I taking the energy to, to tear something apart that somebody took, you know, their spare time, um, you know, outside of their nine to five job, uh, with their friends and with the spare change that they have around to try and make something that they feel passionate enough about, you know. And I kind of stopped writing, and I, I, I right after that, and I think you got to, as a filmmaker and as as people, you kind of got to watch out, interact, having that interaction. You kind of got to just let the movies live. You got to let them out there and let them live and, and don't sit and like get involved with that stuff. But uh, anyways, uh, Don, what do, what do you have to bring to the table, my friend? Okay. Um, I've got, just like everyone else, I've got a couple. <laughs> um, I've got, uh, I, I've split mine up into a studio picture, mini major picture, indie picture, and a runner-up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hold so, on, uh, I got about ten movies I gotta talk about. That's only four. <laughs> Shut up. And they, they all they all work. So one thing I want to point out is um, most of my films are films that had potential. If, if you make a project, if it's you and your buddies and you spend five bucks and you run around and you go, oh, I'm making a movie, it doesn't count. I, I can't. It doesn't matter that you said I made this movie this one time. It just doesn't. There has to be like it has to be presentable as a film. It can't just be like a project. So there are plenty of really shitty micro, no-budget movies that are just projects that are you know, the sound was shit and the writing was shit and the acting was shit. Those we, we can't count those because then you get into this weird. It would take us eighty days to just work through 
which one is slightly less shitty than the other one. So I skipped all those. Um, <laughs> we'll start at the studio and work our way down. Um, this is going to be a bit of a shocker because there are way worse studio movies, I think, like more mean-spirited and broken movies. But again, it's potential versus delivery is, is how I see a film. Um, I really like Roger when I, Roger Ebert said, like, you know, how can you rate um, – uh, whatever the vampire in Brooklyn against uh, a streetcar named Desire with with four stars. How can you do that? Well, you you shoot for what the the square is. You know, you shoot for the what was the movie trying to do, and how how what was the potential of the film, and how did it deliver on that potential? Uh, studio film is Star Trek the motion picture. That is the most languishing, horrifically terrible. Mind-numbing. Mi- I'm the largest Star Trek fan. Seriously, I've seen every episode of every series at least ten times. I've seen every film countless times. I can tell you the the carrying capacity capacity of a Constitution class starship vessel. I am a giant Star Trek nerd. This movie. How can you bore me with Star Trek? How can you just? I've. How is it that forty-five minutes into the movie, we're still showing the outside of the fucking Enterprise, and I am bored with it? I should never be bored with the Enterprise. J.J. Abrams, as much as you may say good or bad about his new movies, nails the Enterprise part. It's like, hey guys, music cue, giant awesome ship, and then cut. Like that's that's brilliant. Show me the thing. Robocop turns Murphy. Throw the title. Like, you're done. Don't give me the 45-minute... Yeah, we know. You had a big budget. That's great. You had a great big budget, and you wanted to show V'ger, and you wanted the camera to... I fell asleep. Last time I watched it, I, I legit fell asleep, and the camera was trucking along V'ger. This is not a joke. I was watching it for a movie review show. I was legit with four other people who can, account, who can tell you this account. I fell asleep. I woke up like, where am I? The camera's still fucking trucking along Vitor. <laughs> like they had cut back and forth to like, you know, to Kirk going, oh, 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 and then they cut, you know, back to Vitor, and then Spock going, oh. and then back to fucking Vitor. <laughs> it just keeps going. It just doesn't stop. It it, it languishes. It's it, that that movie is a twelve minute movie, spread into two and a half hours of. Was that of, the director's cut? No, no, it was whatever was on Netflix or whatever. It, it was ridiculous. I, I wanted to shoot myself. It was horrible. So there's that. Um, Mini Major is, is interesting. This is a corporate grab. I hated it because, well, not because it had potential. I guess this is the most um, the most mean-spirited one on the list. Mac and Me. What the <laughs> fuck was Mac? That was a McDonald's commercial. Yes. That was 130 or 20 minutes long. and uh, Or not 100. It was 90 minutes long. And it was it was... If you're going to be like the corporate shill, at least do something interesting. Don't just do E.T., but the shitty E.T., like the dumb E.T. And now every time I drive across the country and I see those big fucking uh, windmills, I can't I can't just experience the glorious, beautiful windmills. I have to remember fucking macking me the whole time. It's a horrible movie. That, that Everything was wrong with it. Everything. That was a terrible movie. Especially um, the mouth of the alien. Oh, like God. Blood, with, the, like, with the God. cheeks and the... Ugh! Try try, sex doll try, alien. With, try watching that with children and try and, and have them wonder what the hell they're watching yeah. and have them not be disturbed by it. I was because I watched it with it my kids. Came out. It didn't make any sense. My brain was broken. I'm like, this is. I knew something was horribly wrong. I didn't know what. I didn't realize it was a shit film. But as a little kid, I just. 
It was broken. It was all fucked up. So, How the fuck did that kid survive going off the cliff in the wheelchair? That's really? what I wanted. You're going to ask a question? Any question? Like, you're going to, like, put anything under scrutiny and mack on me? It's hilarious that you're doing this. Okay, so, um, the, the indie, and I, I don't know if I'm going to catch flack for this, but this, I mean, if I had, man, if I had a gun, we would not be having this conversation right now. My brains would be spread all over the Sif Cinema of town. Uh, de- describe to me just one merit. I, don't tell me the acting was great and the shots were beautiful. Fucking, I want to know what part of the movie was a movie in Only God Forgives. I need somebody to help me here. This is uh, Nicholas Winding Ruffin. He, he he shot up into the air and slam dunked it in drive. I know people are like, it was slow, but it was great. I'm like, fuck, that was amazing. I loved drive. I was a Valhalla Rising fan, so I didn't go into this like, oh, I hate, I hate whatever. I, no, I was ready. And I wasn't trying to like put it up on a path. I was just like, hit me, man. You got all the rights. When Chris Nolan was like, I'm going to do Batman, I was like, that's cool. You got me. I'm in. I saw your other shit. I'll take, put Christian Bale on there. I'll take it. That's cool. I'll just roll. When Heath Ledger was like, I'm going to be the Joker, I didn't care. The guy had me, right? Then it ended up being great. So the same thing with Nicholas Winding Refn. I was like, Valhalla Rising was a little obtuse, but it was really cool. So let's check out Drive. Drive was fucking, wow, I love that movie. I can't believe it. Only God Forgives was, I went, what? It's just if, I'm just going to, and then he's going to look at his hands. And then the music. And then some bitch is going to say some terrible shit that's just written to be completely as horribly deplorable as possible. I'm going to fuck my son! And then he's going to look at his hands. And then Ryan Gosling's going to get beat up, which is probably arguably the best part of the movie, him getting the shit kicked out of him. But it had no meaning. Nothing had any meaning. I don't understand. And the re- and that, that gets the ultimate flip. It's like the potential. You got backers now. You got Everyone tells you you're the greatest filmmaker alive because you made this, this drive movie. And you have the money. You got the time. You got the talent. You got the actors. Make something amazing. And instead, you make a movie that gets booed out of Sundance. Like, that's... It's frustrating. It was very frustrating. So that's that. Runner-up, and this is the ultimate flip for me. I've been seeing this movie around. It's won a couple awards and festivals, and and I actually know a couple of the people who worked on it and have had conversations with them, and the opinions vary. But there's this film called First Winter. Have you seen it? Anyone? You guys are all into... No. Okay, so here's the premise. It's perfect. The, The premise... The reason this movie sucked so bad for me wasn't because it was a horrible movie. It was wonderfully acted, beautifully shot. But it, if you have a, if it takes you more than one sentence to describe the, if you can't do an elevator pitch for, pitch for your film, you shouldn't be making the movie, right? I mean, that's a standard thing. Their elevator pitch was perfect. Hipsters trapped in a cabin during the apocalypse. Sold. Who would not want to see this movie? A bunch of people who don't know how to fucking deal with life trapped in a cabin together while the world fell apart and they, they have to go through wintertime. That sounds amazing. That's the, you're, it's rife with... Epic, you're gonna, that, that movie's gonna turn into a space crazy movie in the first 20 minutes. People are gonna be eating each other and shit. I can't wait to see this movie. So I go see this movie, and it started with, oh yeah, they're hipsters and their iPhones stopped working, so that's, you know, that sucks for them, and they're gonna do yoga and be zen, but they don't really know anything about yoga or zen because they're hipsters and faking it. So it's gonna go, and then it never go. It just, it, it just drags, and nothing ends up happening, and then at the end, they, they, they all reach enlightenment magically. And there's no, it just falls apart. So I'm sorry. I hoped one of you had seen it so that you could join in because, um, <laughs> but no, you haven't. Uh, nope. I, the reason it sucks isn't because it sucks. It's because of the potential. It could have been something that you know the punch was good. You know, the the the, the log line is awesome. 
trap a bunch of hip, like know-it-all young hipsters in a cabin during a time which no one can do it. Like and it's a legit apocalypse. It's not like a funny zombie apocalypse. It's like something happened. You know, they're they're in a in a cabin in the woods. You can see off the ridge the cities in fucking flames. Something terrible has happened, and the hipsters have to 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 deal with it. And it's not funny. It's not ironic. It's it's not a hipster movie. It's Oh man, I don't know. It, it felt like there was potential. It felt like I wanted to see that movie. I wanted somebody to explore, like a generation of people who've grown up not ever needing to 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 know anything, trying to deal with like living. That that's that sounds like a cool film. Wasn't that kind of mm-hmm. like uh, remember the chairlift one where they're frozen? Maybe it was called Frozen. It was called were, Frozen. Yeah, there were wolves yeah, down there. Adam Green. Yeah, Adam Green's Frozen. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that one like, kind of being really simple and neat. Yeah, 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 it was it was simple and neat, but yeah. this movie was nothing like that. It was super, <laughs> super mean spirited, man. Like they didn't, and apparently, I've I've talked to a couple of the people who worked on it, just going to festivals and stuff. Apparently, it 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 had all the stuff that I want. Like at one point there were fights and there were, but but on the in the was editing it room, an the editorial decision, thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it turns out because they shot way more than you see. So right. as you know, films happen to do. Um, but apparently they shot a lot of story that is just trimmed out to just give you pretty shots and meditation and and shit. Like, things go wrong and there are a couple of events, but none of them actually, there's no actual impending threat. It's just that they deal with each other. And they don't deal with each other in a threatening or stake. I don't feel any stakes. Mm. So it, it really sucked because the potential was there and I, I felt that it would go. Just like with uh, Only God Forgives, there was potential. And it, f- it fell through. So I know none of those are schlocky. I, I could tell you that I could be, you know, Mac and Me is kind of schlocky. But, oh, but for me, a film that has potential that fails is way harder to watch than a film that didn't try or tried but super didn't get it from the very start. You know, those are those are kind of fun, right? I mean, we like watching those. Those are... Yeah, to, to an extent, I think a film's worst asset, and I think it's probably, you know, a thread I hear going through is, is to bore its audience, is to right. completely disengage its audience, and um, me personally, I thought The Hall of Rising was just a total waste of my time. Really? But I know a lot of people that love that movie. I just personally disengage After that opening fight sequence where he's chained up and all that shit, I'm like, this is fucking amazing, and yeah. then it just does nothing. The rest of them. So I, I still have not watched Drive, and I still have I probably won't see Only God Forgives because everyone's just been shitting all over it. Not me it though. Just doesn't sound interesting. Did you like it, Andrew? Uh, uh, Only God Forgives is in my top ten of the year. Oh wow, interesting. Yeah, I gotta be honest. And Don, you're gonna hate me. <laughs> I, actually, I I grew up on Star Star Trek uh, the motion picture, and I actually like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, uh, so I'll, I'll give me, I'll give my, uh, I guess I'll do two as well. And I think a lot of why I I tend to like have reactions to films in the negative may be my environment as well. Is that um, I, the if we're talking about Hollywood films, one of the worst theater going experiences I've ever had was um, when my wife. And I, we were we were living in uh, Seattle at the time, and we went with a friend of ours, uh, a, another girl that I worked with, um, and saw um, Robert Altman's Doctor T and the Women, and 
that was perhaps one of the worst fucking film experiences I've ever sat through in my entire life. A film about a gyne- uh, gynecologist's office where women actually like to hang out at. And then uh, at the end, he gives Richard Gere gives uh, delivers a, a baby in a tornado. I had no idea what the fuck happened in that movie, why it existed. I, I totally it wasn't for me, or maybe I'm just so dense I didn't know what the fuck it was. Um, but uh, I, I, that's got to be just about the pinnacle of like Hollywood stroking itself all over its face. Um, but if I was uh, gonna gonna go with more of the schlocky kind of stuff, that's my bread and butter. Um, it for the longest time it used to be um, Andy Mulligan's uh, Milligan's uh, "The Rats Are Coming, The Werewolves Are Here" um, <laughs> because because it's honestly one of the it's like watching paint dry. That uh, it, it, have, are you guys all? I'm guessing you guys are all familiar with Andy Milligan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, what is it? Bloodthirsty butchers, which I I've never been able to get through. Um, it's a, that's almost as bad as uh, which I was giving uh, Tanya, you know, slack about about the Bill Rabane, the Alpha incident that's in a, a pack of films that she got that she's gonna watch uh, <laughs> for the thirty one days is the Alpha incident because a while back, a buddy of mine and me were were writing a script. Um, that was kind of a send-up of Bill Rubain's films, and I researched a ton of uh, Bill Rubain's and watched them, but I could never make it through the Alpha incident. Nothing, nothing like a you know an enemy that's nothing but a red light that goes around a screen. But um, anyways, uh, I watched a month ago with my wife up at my parents' cabin in the woods. They had a they had one of those collections, and it was. Um, vampire uh, it's like that was the theme of the collection of all these old public domain movies and the film was horrible sexy vampire <laughs> um it was uh it was a british film done in the late 60s and um the vampire was neither one horrible <laughs> two sexy um i almost don't even know if he was really a vampire it was it was the, it, i I literally fell asleep two times watching the film, and it, and it kept going, and it just kept going. And even a film that the setup is basically um, some couple goes to a hotel room, and it's always the same hotel room, um, and the, the female gets naked in the shower and then gets killed, and everyone, and the guy gets killed as well. I'm like, oh, well, you know, at least I get to see some nice-looking ladies. Oh, my God, it was, it was like, I, I swear... That movie must have went on for four hours. It was, it was just, it was horrible. It was, it, it's hard for me to say that you know there's a film actually more boring than the rats are coming, the werewolves are here, but it, it's it's actually possible. Um, so my my thing with with bad movies is that they're boring. If it's if it's really boring and there's just nothing going on. That's more than likely going to be, and I like slow burn films, so it's got to be a special kind of boring. There's there's boring where there's there's tension being built up, you know, and it's atmosphere, and you know that doesn't bother me. Slow movies don't bother me. It's when there's no point to the slowness, and you're just watching, like you had described, Don, just watching a dude look at his hand. But but that's the thing is like 
you know, everyone's idea of what a bad film completely varies because, like art, it's it's all subjective. But totally. I guess to to kind of wrap this all up, we we don't like where uh, B movies are at right now because I think that I think a lot of B movies are kind of in a confused state. I think you you kind of said that well, Don. You you kind of illustrated. You know, there's nobody really knows the direction of what the next exploitation device actually is going to be that's going to interest people, you know? I, you know, I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to question, um, you know, we're, we're talking about B-movies and, and, and we're calling Sharktopus a B-movie and all that kind of stuff, but, but even those, like, them, we, we brought up them as kind of a, like a 50s version, you know, or like the Atomic Man or whatever. Yeah. But, but when, when, when you look at those movies, it's hard for me to think that somebody in them, that anybody in them or in... You know this island Earth, or you know, anything. like I don't think any of those guys. I mean, they they knew maybe they weren't in the biggest budget movie, but I don't think any of them did those movies with a you know like, haha, isn't this the stupidest thing, guys? What's up, bro, bros? Isn't this dumb? Like, I don't think they did that. I, it felt very much like those movies. They tried to make a film, even if it was for no budget, and even if it was about giant ants and everything was made out of paper mache and shit. Like they gave it a shot. And they, it's like they tried to make films, even if they were, you know, potentially counterculture or potentially, uh, you know, not big, uh, big budget or, or, or super popular. They tried to make films, and I feel like that's not what's happening anymore. I, I feel like it, 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 things are cheap enough now that a studio can throw, you know, budgets that anybody on this panel would probably jump at mm. to to shit nobody filmmakers to make the shittiest version of a shark, you know, giant shark eats a town movie and they make it f- with no regard to the to the product itself. And, and I could be wrong. I mean, I I I am not king of the 50s B movie, but it, you know, at least it, it, to my eyes it seems like those movies at least tried to be movies. Well, I think what we're all talking about as far as like whether it's a B movie production value is low or whatever, the thing that we enjoy about that is there's some kind of psychology that rings true or some kind of psychological thread that continues through the movie and regardless of whether it has a big budget or if they failed a little bit I think that psychological aspect is what at least for me and it sounds like the rest of us um, kind of enjoy or appreciate and when a movie lacks that I think that's when it's really boring or like you were talking about Mac and me you know when things kind of are just thrown in to be thrown in they don't have like a psychological sense to it that's when it's you know boring or dumb or insulting yeah yeah when it's a product i think i think that's another another avenue altogether is is the product film and that's always been around. i mean exploitation half of exploitation filmmaking are just product films i mean let's let's take for example uh herschel gordon lewis who, before he became, you know, the quote-unquote godfather of gore, made titty flicks. I mean, that was his thing, because that's what's sold. So then he's like, well, what's my next exploitation thing? And, and Corman's the same way. I mean, he made all those freaking Blood Fist movies in, you know, the, the mid to late 80s, and then he made, uh, you know, uh, the Sorority Massacre style movies, yeah. you know, Slumber Party Massacre and stuff like that, and then when that run ran dry, he moved on to the next thing. There's there's always going to be, you know, product films, soulless, heartless 
product films, um, but they just they still don't have that feeling of uh, I don't know I don't want to say contempt for the audience that some of this has now. Is it do you, do you, do you think that maybe in let's uh, let's not have it run super super long, but I think you know we got to bring Bird Demic into this. Because there's, there's, I have confusion about that movie. I have no confusion about the second film. That's absolutely made and winking at you the entire fucking time. You know, you you are paying for a shitty movie at that point. Where Birdemic, the original one to me at least, in uh, the former host of Astro Radio Z, that was my co-host uh, Corey Udler. Um, he's always been a staunch believer that that was a manufactured cult film. Uh, from from the beginning and there was something about it just watching it where editorially and this just comes from me being an editor um, professionally that it just it, it felt like somebody who had never stepped behind a fucking avid was trying to make sense of what this fucking device did and trying to make a film with that device where he always felt like, you know, no, this was totally all intentional. <laughs> no, Birdemic is horrible, and we if we want to go there, because I was looking forward to hearing what everybody's favorite bad movie was. Can we still do that? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Okay, uh, but uh, Birdemic, there, there's no way around it being awful, because it's, it's either two things. Either that guy is mentally handicapped, and everybody <laughs> that... Nope, I'm not even joking. Either that guy that made that movie is mentally handicapped, and we're all laughing at his handicap. Yeah. Yeah. And his inability to, he like loves movies and he wants to make one and he makes one and it's Birdemic. And we're like, oh, how awesomely bad. But that guy seriously got a deficiency and doesn't know how to make movies. Either that or the guy that made it is perfectly sharp and he thinks we are handicapped. Those are the only two possible explanations for that movie. Because if you're an editor, you know and you've seen this. You've watched a lot of B-movies and micro-budget stuff. You've seen this. You've seen this a lot. Padding. In order to to make a movie a feature length running time in order to be able to call it a feature that you've made there is long periods of time where absolutely nothing happens in the beginning of Birdemic I've seen this I've seen driving. this I've seen it, there's all those driving scenes and everybody that even took a piss near the movie gets their own credit block I mean that is that is that is complete and total shitty you know what I'm saying to pad out mm-hmm. running time and padding is the worst being boring is the worst there was a movie that my friend uh, Dino remember Terry M West that made um uh, Flesh for the Beast, uh, oh, yeah. Chima, uh, um, Sexy Sixth Sense, a lot of these things. He and uh, Mark Fratto, the guy that made uh, Zombies Anonymous and uh, mm-hmm. Fire, they worked yeah. together on a movie um, that never came out. And the reason why it never came out is because they couldn't, even with all the padding, even with a seven-minute opening sequence of just a shot of a cabin where it changed colors, couldn't mm-hmm. get a feature-length running time out of this thing. So, Birdemic, I mean, the long and short of it is this. Either either he's screwed in the head, and we're all, anybody that claims to enjoy that movie on any level is laughing at his handicap, or he thinks all of us are dumb enough, or I shouldn't even say dumb. Like he thinks all of us have a screw list that we're going to buy this thing because you can't make a cult movie. We decide what that is, not the person making it. Exactly, it's impossible. One hundred percent. I mean, there's just things you, you de- deconstruct that film. Even it's asinine to even like present this, but to but to see like crossfades where somebody left another clip underneath the crossfade on a timeline, and you can see the ghosting of the clip underneath it. It's just like to me, it's just like no, that movie's a fuck you to anybody that's tried to make a movie. It's who would intentionally do that? 
You know, that it's shitting on low budget people. The fact that that's famous, the fact that he drove that truck through Park City covered in bird shit going like, here's my shitty movie calling attention to and people that watch that. The only people that thought that movie were good was good were people that never sat through a million of uh, no budget features like I did. You know, and I've seen way better movies than that, a million times better than that. But people were sincere, sincerely trying really hard to make a good movie, even some that weren't and were accidentally good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's, I've not heard one single like informed opinion uh, for Birdemic being good, worth anything. Well, I wanted to just, you had touched on it, and Derek mentioned you how you said Corey said how that was made to be a cult film. And I hate the way the word cult film is thrown around now for movies that have only been out two, three, four years. That's not a cult film. I, mean, I think a genuine cult film that, that was actually brought up today, I believe Dread is a genuine cult film. I believe it is a film that didn't find its audience in, in the, with theatrical distribution, and now that it, it's found the home market, it has, it has grown in popularity based on word of mouth. Yeah, and there's a cult Finally it. finding its, its audience. That's a cult film. So, so to move away from... You know, a lot of the negativity we've been talking about. Let's let's go to something that that makes us actually smile. Our favorite so-called. Do we want to say guilty pleasures, or do we want to just say our favorite bad movie? Let's say bad favorite bad movie. Even if you don't believe in the concept of bad movies or right. guilty pleasures, right. I think we can all sort of agree on something that you know just had no right to be as good as it was, maybe, or you just weren't expecting anything, and it you know was so great. You know? Let's let's start with you, Andrew. Uh, well, I I um I read a review in a local um local uh, entertainment publication called Flagpole in Athens for a film called I Got the Hookup, uh, starring Master P. And I perhaps he directed it. I'm not sure, but Master P. in the '90s was a uh, was a a, a self made hip hop artist and and quite made a, a splash with a movie called Ambada, which uh, he financed himself. And we couldn't keep it on the shelves uh, where I worked, you know, in Atlanta. We, it just it wouldn't stay there. It was an independent movie that a, a hip-hop artist made. Uh, Master P wasn't a particularly good musician. He was a, a very terrible actor. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, not, not unlike uh, with the guy in the room where you say, well, he shouldn't have been the, the main character, but he was. Um, this movie, I Got the Hookup, was his follow-up to the hit I'm About It. And uh, the review that I read was extremely negative. And they said uh, they they gave away the very ending of the movie. They said a guy uh, gets shot in the ass by a hooker with an old musket and screams into the camera, "Bitch, done shot me in my ass!" And <laughs> like that's gonna make me not want to rush out and see it. I right. couldn't wait to see that happen. I couldn't wait to give me my money, even if that's the only thing good in an hour and a half. I want to see that. Um, but instead, I got the hookup. Is uh, Despite Master P not being a good actor, the story is um, a cell phone company um, accidentally delivers a bunch of um, unactivated cell phones in the hood. And Master P, the enterprising businessman that he is, um, gets his girlfriend's uh, buddy uh, to activate all these cell phones. So he's going to be the cell phone entrepreneur in the hood because he's like a small-time hustler, and now he's in charge of all the cell phones in the hood. The movie is... uh, I don't know how many times I've watched it. I mean, there's been times where I've put it on to make people leave my house that have kind of overstayed their welcome. Because I know they'll think it's not good. Not that it isn't good, but I know that they'll be like, oh, God, what is this shit, and run away, not knowing, shh, shh, it's awesome. 
one guy, Henrik Kuto, director of Babysitter Massacre and many other classics, stayed and watched the whole entire thing with a friend of his, and he had to drive to Ohio from Georgia that night. He stayed and watched the whole thing. Joe Estevez is in it. John Witherspoon is in it. And um, there are, like, Scooby-Doo, white guy takes off the mask and he's black type of stuff going on in that movie. Um, there is the bitch done shot me in my ass uh, scene that was really, really good. Uh, but it seems as though there is no script and they're just sort of riffing. They're making yeah, it up as yeah. they go along. I would swear, I would put money that there was no script and they were making it up as they go along. It was probably written on index cards. But I, there's a group of dudes that wear, like, like helmets, like not baseball helmets that isn't like the kind that somebody that might be soft in the head helmet there's a gang of guys with gun anyway uh, it is it is it is wonderful that is my can I have a, a no budget favorite also I'm sorry if I'm taking up too much time. yeah can go I ahead I just favorite? before we move past it I'm looking at it on IMDB and mystical is fucking in that movie yeah, holy yeah. shit yeah, no, it's it. It's, I, going, yeah, yeah, I don't. I, I I don't like it in the way that I like um, even How High or um, you know the one where uh, House Party. Well, more like when Method Man and Red Man smoke the smart friends ashes oh, that die yeah, and get yeah, into yeah. Harvard. Because uh, that's a really dark movie, uh, believe it or not. But um, I I love I got the hookup in a, in a in a way that like I said it's like it has no right to be as entertaining as it is. And yet, I'm not watching it because I think this is stupid. I'm like, man, like this this is awesome purely by accident. I oh, think. I know. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, my favorite um, no budget uh, bad movie is called Elevator Movie, and it's by a guy named Zeb Harrodin. And it was one of those that in the uh, early 2000s, you know, the late 90s, where um, micro budget, there was no YouTube, and none of that stuff was going on. So guys, they, I was the guy that would write about anybody's movie, basically. I became, Gonzarific became known as that. So Zeb Herrington sends me his film called Elevator Movie. He shot it in his apartment, not unlike Nick Zed's um, Geek Maggot Bingo, but it was just a guy getting into an elevator with a woman. That's the whole story. But here's the genius because it, it's kind of like Tetsuo the Iron Man. There's stuff like that that happens in it. It's all black and white. You follow this? Guy mm -hmm. gets into an elevator with a woman, beautiful woman that's carrying her groceries. And um, it gets stuck. So, you know, he starts talking to her. And every night that they go to sleep, um, they, they wake up and the, the food has been replaced. It's all still there. And they have a bucket that they shit and piss in. And it's been emptied by someone. They don't know what's going on. And uh, she ends up reading his diary and finds out that he's obsessed with fucking women in the ass. And she, this movie is what keep in mind fuck? it's only keep in mind it's only an elevator. And she becomes disgusted with him. It looks like he might get to score with her, but then she becomes disgusted with him. And when she's asleep, like she intentionally moves away from him, like he's gonna try because at first he's trying to, you know what I mean? But and I'm I'm gonna reveal the end for you because I don't think this movie is in print or even in circulation. He may not have even sent it to maybe six people. Um, but she becomes completely uh, mechanical, like not as in a robot, but she's literally like a bunch of Home Depot parts in a bag by the end of it, and he fucks it. <laughs> what? Excuse <laughs> <laughs> <A skew> me? <laughs> it's brilliant because I've shown it to my friends, and they're, they're just like, this movie really all in an elevator? I'm like, you know that one where Ryan Reynolds is buried and stuff like that? Yeah. This is the movie. This is the one. 
you know, uh, because it stays good the whole time, it stays awkward the whole time, the dialogue between the man and the woman, the tension that they have, um, the fact that you know he really has a boner for her, and yet, you know, she's kind of, you know what I mean? But yeah. by, by, she starts becoming more and more metal, uh, and just pieces of her start turning, and, and it's like weird, it's like, you don't think the guy will try to ask fuck the piece of pipe that she becomes, but he does! <laughs> <laughs> It was one of the greatest, man. It really was, and and it just again, it was in a guy's apartment. He built this inside of an elevator. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's fucking it, insane. Really, gee, elevator movies the name of it. You can buy it on Amazon. Are you serious? You got to be shitting me. I suggest you do. <laughs> was it Jim and Lana? With a uh, the guys, the filmmaker was named Zeb Harrodin. He made one of the movies, <laughs> yep, a really it. weird conspiracy movie. But that's 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 the movie, and it's all uh, shot on shot on film. I want to say it was a sixteen or Super Eight, one of the two. It's black and white. But uh, again, man, it's like it reminded me of I would say John Waters and and Tetsuo the Iron Man. I'd say it's just got a real a real good tension that stays built up through the running time. And and again, I I hate to, I mean, even though I've told you he fucks it, you still are like, there's no way uh, you'll forget that I told you he fucks it when he fucks it. Well, order has been placed. <laughs> if you if you don't love it, I give you a dollar. You don't love it, I give you a dollar. Master P, I don't know, but anyway, sorry I went so long on that. But I have passion. Like no, that's a, epic. Like a, that's uh, epic. That's pretty amazing, know? dude. Those those were two solid solid picks. Tanya, yeah. are you still there? Yeah, I'm still. Yeah, I got disconnected, but I'm back. All right. Why don't you give us your favorite bad movie? Okay, one of my favorite bad movies, and it's a kind of movie that if somebody else told me they hated, I would understand. Um, and let me just preface by saying I'm a musician, and I've, I write music, and I find music humor really funny, and humor about songwriting stuff really funny. Um, a movie that I really liked that a lot of people didn't like was the movie Ishtar, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. Oh, yeah. It's way better than its reputation. Oh, yeah. yeah, The Absolutely. first half hour is just about how these guys want to become songwriters and they kind of find each other. And it's all about how they, they're, so, they're so kind of clueless, but so determined and so focused and just how everything becomes about the songwriting. And it's, I just find that that first half hour, I think, is just so hilarious. And they're kind of like mediocre, which I think is even funnier and the the spy stuff isn't is okay you know it's not it's not horribly offensively bad or anything but the musical humor in it i think is really good no most movies that are hyped to be bad end up just that's the legacy of them i think apocalypse now was one of the few that was able to just be so goddamn great that nobody could say shit even though people were starting to say oh it's bad because you know, they hear about the reshoots, and that, that means, oh, there was something wrong with it. And then they hear about the, there was 600 writers, and they fire the director. And they're like, this movie just must be bad. And that's the story of it. It's bad. I think with that one, it bad. lost so much money yeah. that, yeah. It, that it got a reputation because of that. Yeah, it was it's, quite gone. it's fine. Like you said, it's a cool movie. I like can, it. Can cool. I chuck in Heaven's Gate as not, as, not as my pick, but as, like, another movie that, like, if you talk about Heaven's Gate to anybody, nobody tells you, like... right. They can't tell you tell you what it's about. They'll tell you that it, they spent forty four million dollars in nineteen eighty, and that's like, oh my god, it's the biggest problem ever. But what did you have you watched the movie? Because yeah, I was gonna say, I think the Criterion release, the recent one's hopefully gonna turn that around, and in the right. future it'll be a Criterion yeah, release. Absolutely, yeah. That type that, of that's bullshit a, that's won't a fine film, man. That's a, that's it a is. fine film. Sorry, I didn't mean to step in. <laughs> 
I think Ishtar and Heaven's Gate are two movies that are, are they're watchable movies, man. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely watchable. If you know, yeah. someone said they didn't like it, that's taste, but yeah, I, yeah, they're not, it's not unwatchable. Yeah, I think there's whenever I hear somebody say this is an objectively bad movie, I want to punch them in the face. Yeah, I, I hate hearing stuff like that. <laughs> I think all art is, is subjective, and there's I said nothing objectively. <laughs> Oh, yeah. How are the duck is We can all agree. That's, an object, yeah. that's the one. This is just one movie. No, don't you guys think, though, that Green Lantern was a ripoff of Howard the Duck? Think about it. The one with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> what? Think about it. Okay, seen, before, before it? there's, there, there's the, the internet explodes um, from, from Don's hatred of what was just said, let's, let's go on to, Glenn, give me your, your favorite bad movie. Um, well... I've got there's two different ones because there's my my guilty pleasure movie, which is one from my childhood that is Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. That's mine. Oh, yeah, you just took mine. You can't take mine. That's Did not I actually fair. take it? Well, let's combine it. Let's combine yeah. it. You two talk because I, I fucking love that movie. We'll, I listen, we'll talk I listen more about that when you come up then. But yeah. my 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 bad movie that I absolutely love, and I know a lot of people who don't think it's a bad movie, but I know a lot of people who do is House. Uh, and I'm not talking about the one with William Kent. I'm talking about the Japanese one. The uh, uh, no, the, not the not, not house. The Japanese one. Yeah, house. house. Yeah, I love that house. movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. I absolutely movie. love that movie. Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine introduced it to me like ten years ago, and I have shown it to probably fifty people since then. And it's about like four Scooby of them like without Scooby Doo. Yeah, no, that movie is yeah. high art, dude. That's another yeah. Criterion release, you know? There's yep. too much emphasis is put on making sense, I think. I mean, yeah. okay. I really mean that. I, I, I don't get... My least favorite part of any movie is the big explanation. I love yeah. shit that yeah. makes no sense. That yeah. movie Rubber about the tire that blows people's heads up, I have such a, like... I'm going to cry. I really love... <laughs> I really love it. Like, you know, up yours, plot. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. How soon? I like big. I, I like middle finger movies. I I, I really do. Uh, I I think one of one of my favorite and most people just fucking loathe this movie. I think one of the best middle finger movies to come out in the last five years was uh, the Human Centipede Part Two. Yeah. I just there well, was the dude there watches was, the Human Centipede. Yeah. I fucking I I loved that movie. I, I didn't really buy Part One, but I bought Part Two. Yeah. I, I, me too. I loved it, man. Yeah. I really did. It, it was, was so just good. like a total. You know what? Fuck everyone. It's black and white, <laughs> but the shit is brown. Yeah. Blow my mind. Like Lloyd Kaufman was probably kicking himself when they did that. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Good. It, good stuff. Everyone's bringing up some really great stuff. So, so Don Barry Gordy's Last Dragon, please. Yeah. No, I mean that. That's a, that's an epic movie. It it's it's. It's an exploitation movie that that doesn't exploit anything. It's a kung fu movie, kung fu movie with no kung fu. It's uh, it's got um, it's got so much in it, man. It's 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 got uh, Daddy Green's Pizza in it. It's it's just it's a great movie. Um, the soundtrack is epic. The the it's two amazing. the two title tracks, The Glow and The Last Dragon. If you want to have the best work day of your life, start with start with the last dragon and move on to the glow. The rest of the day, everything will be amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you do not believe me, do me a favor, go to my Facebook profile, look up my Spotify. Fucking every once in a while, you'll just see like starting the day right. It's like the glow and like the, the last dragon. That's so good. I'm gonna skip that though because I've got a controversial one. Okay, so why? I somebody please tell me why uh, John Frankenheimer's Island of Doctor Moreau was a terrible movie. 
Can, can somebody tell me why that was a bad... Everybody thinks it's a bad movie. No, why dude, would, I had, like... I was running a fever when I went to see that, and I still liked it. That, that was another the, one of the those productions. I'm sorry, the, the, yeah, fuck the production, dude. The special yeah, effects were amazing. Ron Perlman was awesome. Like, he was... It was a good movie. Uh, no, David Selwitz was, was awesome. Yeah, from Dust Devil. That that uh that um was it Richard Stanley make yes uh, Rock yep. Duck Rope Dust Devil was the right yeah um that those the makeups in that also and Brando yeah. and, and Val Kilmer that whole oh, like, that's, like that movie's Brando fascinating dude yeah they're like Brando and Kilmer were crazy in that movie they were supposed to be crazy in that movie that was yeah. a movie where those two dudes went crazy so I don't see what the problem is with them being crazy in the crazy movie that's supposed to be crazy in it doesn't make any sense <laughs> like, uh, it's just another it, one of those rumored troubled productions yeah, there was a good movie and, and anything with Feruza Balk in it gets a, a, a double double plus and she good already voice. looks nuts oh, without the makeup and then right? with the makeup right it's amazing so okay my last two um, Scarface <laughs> Is a shit movie. Scarface is a terrible movie. Don't don't give me the look. Scarface is a shitty movie. It's a great movie. We all love it. It's fun. It's cool to watch. Yeah, but right. the accents are ridiculous. They're like <laughs> insulting. If you release a movie like that and you're like, no, no, this is Cuban. People, Cuba would launch missiles. Like it's a ridiculously <laughs> bad film. The the acting is way over. Everybody's. It's like they're it's like they're doing a shitty SNL skit. It's good. Michelle Pfeiffer's awesome. Fucking, I'm I'm in it. I like it. I really enjoy it, but it's a terrible movie. Like as far as the movie goes, and I know that we've got like, well, it's machismo, and we all grew up with it, and whatever, whatever, whatever. And everybody told us it's great, but objectively, that's a that's a poop uh -oh. movie. Uh oh. Uh oh. I did it. I did it. No, seriously. <laughs> no, because really, what what are your criteria? Objectively, what are our criteria? Is the story cool? The guy goes crazy and stays crazy. That's not that's not a story. There's no arc there. He starts out like ready to take over the world, and he tries to take over the world and dies. Uh, the acting is way over the top, and the accents are terrible, and it's insulting to people. I'm a white dude, and I'm I'm Cuban insulted at that movie. Um, it, it I don't know, man. I the writing was all over the place. I enjoy it. I'm not saying it's bad. This is our favorites, right? This is our yeah. the things we like. Yeah. I love that movie. I just, you know, this comes from like going to, I'm going to write a movie. What's my movie? How am I going to write a movie? Let's let's look at my favorite movies. And then getting to Scarface and going, shit, dude, if I wrote and shot that, there'd be trouble. Like we can't, I can't shoot that movie. That's a terrible <laughs> movie. Um, and then, okay, so my, my, my love-hate, I guess, is has got to be, uh, please don't hate me. Over the top makes me cry. I'll cry over the top every time, every fucking time when he gets the truck back and the kids like, oh damn it! Over the top. <laughs> I love, yeah, right. I love it. And, and then they have the 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 uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger slash Dylan like arm claps before yeah. every time they go. It's like, yeah. yeah. When he busts a guy's arm in the beginning, the table breaks, and it's just over the top, dude. That's. Hey, do you listen to um, How Did This Get Made podcast? No, I do. No. Oh, they their episode on Over the Top is amazing. I gotta go look at this now. Oh, no, they did an episode on Cool as Ice, and Vanilla Ice is actually on the episode. Yeah, what? yeah. There's a lot yeah. of that. They did a, a lot of. I love that show because they do. They go about this right. Yeah, they sit and they they tear it apart, and they they're a little overzealous they about don't actually it. Have they sound like they're being assholes. But but no, they actually at the end of every episode, they're like, "Would you recommend this?" And they're like, "Yes, I fucking loved this." Movie. Awesome, that's <laughs> awesome. So I highly recommend that. I mean, it's the boys from the league. 
it's uh yeah so it's a, that's a really fun Again, one so, actual comedians professionals doing this stuff there's the yeah. difference yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely so uh, i guess i'll do i i, I was going to just do one but i'll i'll do i'll do two i guess but do 15 do 15 all right let's do this i always i hear people it, uh destroy <laughs> this movie every single time uh, it comes up, and the movie I'm gonna I'm gonna put out there is a film that um, I started watching when I was really young. I got the VHS, and I I bet you I I just recently bought it, probably like a year or two ago, and for a week straight I watched it every night because I forgot how much I fucking loved this movie, Ghoulies. I could watch Ghoulies every fucking night of my life and not hate it. There's, there, I don't know what it is about this film. It, 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 by all means, I understand why everyone thinks it's a total pile of fucking garbage. Maybe but part it, three, but not part one. Oh man, I absolutely adore part one, and 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 some of it may be. Um, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, the gent who plays um, Eraserhead. Jack Nance. Jack Nance. He he's in it and he's great in it. Uh, there, it's total. I mean, it's a Charles Band movie. If I if I am uh, quoting that right, I believe. Yeah, because he uh, he talks about on his. Uh, if you've ever been to one of Band's roadshow things or whatever, he loves talking about ghoulies and about all the trouble they got into about the poster with the mm-hmm. monster coming out of the toilet. That's an amazing poster, man. Yeah, yeah that was a big deal back then, like, when it was out. Like, they really got in big trouble. Like, they were freaking... Kids were really upset. Yeah, you know? they were scared were really that something upset. was going to come up and eat their asshole. Yeah, back then, a poster like that would reach those people. Oh, know? man. There's that movie, there's such a, a, a fun, gothic sensibility to it. And it, on one hand, obviously, it was trying to tap into the, the gremlins market. But on the other hand, it's really mean-spirited. Where <laughs> there's these these little monsters are just disgusting looking, and uh, there there's some pretty out there uh, satanic <laughs> ritual type stuff going on in this film. I, I but it, but on the other hand, it's really fun and it moves along at a brisk pace, and I just I just love it. I say I that's just one of those movies that I could literally revisit all the time and never get sick of. But most people absolutely. Loathe. No, um, dude. I th- I think that it was it, it was viewed as a as a as a Gremlins cash in, but really yeah. it's the movie that Gremlins. Uh, it's more the movie that Gremlins started out to be and wished that it could be. And I move that the people that made Gremlins are probably were were jealous of Ghoulies and what it was able to do because those who know the nerds know that Gremlins mm-hmm. was written as a horror movie. Yeah, right? it absolutely was. There's a yeah. great interview. Who did I? I don't know if you guys listen to the Projection Booth podcast, but Mike White had uh, Joe Dante on a little while back. Uh, talking about Gremlins, and he he brought that up completely, and how how Gremlins changed into you know ultimately what Gremlins to the new batch became, where it's just big slapstick you know parody type deal. But yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I'd go so far as to saying that Gremlins probably looked at Ghoulies and wished it was Ghoulies. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean, though. In the in the yeah, in, yeah, the, yeah. in the regard that it, they couldn't go there with their horror. Oh, absolutely. Family horror movie. You know. What I mean? yeah. I guess that's where I meant with that. Yeah, there's there's a couple scenes in that movie. I just I remember as a kid thinking, "Holy fuck, that actually happened!" Like <laughs> the the one where uh, the guy walks into the the bedroom and there's that clown sitting on the um on the chair, and then uh, all of a sudden a big like lizard comes out of his mouth 
yeah. blood's dripping, all that stuff. I remember as a kid thinking, holy fuck, I just lost my shit. <laughs> it's good. The poster's awesome and the movie's awesome. That's this isn't always the case still. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one I, I really, 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 really like. And another one is Black Roses. Uh, we uh, <laughs> I absolutely love uh, rock and roll, heavy metal, horror movies. And to me, the pinnacle is Black Roses. Um, it's fun. It's ridiculous. It's it's got great '80s hair metal by bands like uh, Lizzie Borden, uh, Me Against the World. Just fucking amazing film. It's what you know. There's there's two spectrums on you know heavy metal horror movies. There's uh, <laughs> there's Black Roses and things like John Fasano's movies. Who uh, John Fasano is an amazing guy. We've had him on the show before. Super nice guy and and generally gets why people still remember his films probably not for the right reasons that he intended but uh he's appreciative that people do like rock and roll nightmare uh even though all they remember is thor and a cod piece fighting rubber monsters that are getting thrown at him um to we accept the challenge um in in uh black roses which is just such a fun movie such a you know town getting taken over by a band that wants to possess its residents and make them minions of Satan. Really great movie. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It, it embodies that fun B um, 80s, you know, hair metal kind of thing. And it's, that's a really, really, really great one. So those are, those are two movie that... night guys are doing black roses this month. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. I mean, I, you know what I mean? Could you really sit there and listen to some asshole? You know what I'm saying? Trust me, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen. I, I how would could it be out. funnier than that movie is? You know, how oh, could it be? It's hilarious. Yeah, how could they, it be more entertaining? Fun of Lizzie Borden is. gets you punched in my in my eyes. Yeah, I'm a big Lizzie uh, Borden fan, man. Yeah, so, no, I was uh, the, I was the one to compare when I saw Lords of Salem to Salem to group it in the uh, heavy metal horror genre, and I was like. As soon as they played the record and shit started happening, I'm like, Black Trick or Treat! I'm like, oh my god, this is one of those, thank you, man. Thanks for, you know, I, I yeah. loved it, loved it. Yeah, yeah. all I could think of is Black Roses. Once that happened, it's like, Black Roses. But it's a great <laughs> idea, isn't it? It's a great, yeah. true classic, never goes out of style. Play the record yeah. and fucking, you know, witchcraft. Thanks, everybody. This was, uh, I don't know if we've... Uh, accomplished anything with, <laughs> with this <laughs> other than getting to, uh, to talk about a, a lot of fun bad movies and bad bad movies but it's uh, it's something I've always been really passionate about because I think a lot of people and and I get this a lot uh, and maybe I bring it on myself more than than <laughs> than anything is that I like to watch a lot of bad movies but I don't I don't really consider them bad I I, I think they're so much more interesting <laughs> than the majority of stuff that people like to go to the video store and wander the new release wall and bring home mindless stuff i'd rather i'd rather bring home zombie nightmare or or bring home uh color me blood red you made the best point early on man, <laughs> that you don't know what these movies are going to do and with with entertainment certain people just like to stay in a really safe zone with things they don't want stuff that's going to really challenge their sensibilities or their patience or what they saw the last dir- the director doing his last movie mm-hmm. they want to they want to be like okay here's my money give me what i want you know, right? It, it, with movies, people don't often see that. Uh, that oh, here's my money. Do some shit to me, and I hope it's something that has never happened to me before. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like you know, we go we go to the movie and we see Frankenhooker and we see that little want a date that thing, and you're just like, what's this gonna be? And I 
I, it's best if I have no expectation whatsoever. But yes. you, you really hit on that, man. And you know, that's 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 where it's at. That's what you should be going for. You right. Be like uh, uh, B movies and no budget movies and bad movies, that kind of stuff. They go for broke because that's what they do. Because mm-hmm. Hollywood does this, so we can't do that. You know, nope. that's that's our edge. That's the right. excitement. It's like the, the roll of the dice. Is this going to suck? Is it going to be boring? Or is it going to like... Uh, Jack Hill is my best example of that stuff. Jack Hill could have been making movies on the level of guys like Scorsese and Coppola and his other contemporaries in the 70s. Stop me at any time if you think I'm wrong. But instead, he chose to make Coffee, Swinging Cheerleaders, Switchblade Sisters, and those movies, I don't give a fuck who you the are. Big Show those movies cage. to your friends, Big Birdcage... You start off watching it, you're like, oh, this is fucking, this is hilarious, this is cheesy 70s, but man, you get in, and those movies are seriously, like, really good movies. Like, yeah. he really had the chops to make uh, A movies had he wanted to do that, because even Swingin' Cheerleaders, I mean, that movie gets intense and in a really good way. He's able to pull performances out of actors that just seem like they really did walk out of the football field or something, mm-hmm. and turn it, into, turn it into this whole story about something that really means something, and they really are about something. There's a moment in Swinging Cheerleaders where the, the wife of a, of, a, of a guy who's screwing around, she, the wife confronts the girl. And in that moment, in that movie, that's better than the Academy Award that they give to Crash, where uh, Sandra Bullock falls down the stairs and isn't racist anymore. I mean, that that particular those <laughs> moments, you know what I'm saying? That's bad. Oh, that's man. bad. Yeah. But that, but swinging cheerleaders, stuff like that. I mean, that's. It, I mean, it, like I have I have passion for the bad movie or what most people would think is going to be bad because yeah. of what they do to my expectations. I always want, and I'll continue to watch movies and continue to love them. I always want my expectations to be subverted. And if, if that makes me mad, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. usually it makes me happy in the right way. And is, is, as soon as I can guess what's going to happen, as soon as I know the formula, yeah, I will go see Iron Man because I know I want to fly around, blow things up in special right. effects. It doesn't need to do anything else, and that's cool. Let him do that. But that's not my favorite stuff. Yep. It's never going to be my favorite stuff. My favorite stuff, is, and I think uh, you and I are the, alike in this way, our favorite stuff is going to be this the stuff that we, uh, you know, most people would consider bad because um, it, it is... It is more often than not um, going to at least meet, even if there's just a lot of titties in it. It's gonna, it's gonna <laughs> do something that Hollywood is afraid to do, and that most people would be like, "What is this?" And we all know the twelve-year-old guy that buys the punk, punk tape or the metal tape. It's like everybody thinks this is bad. That's why I love it. People don't take any pride in taking a risk. You know, that's why the movies we we get the ones we get like Sharknado and stuff is because they're still doing the kind of safe thing. They're like, oh, look how bad it is. They, you know, they have no faith yep. in what it is that they're doing. But the, the big movies we get are just a reflection of what we give money to and what we give attention to. Man, I guess I guess to wrap it up, this this brings me back to, uh, you know, I think there's there's such a it, it, we we kind of discussed this at the beginning, but uh, I'll just bring it back is that I think there's there's a, there's a gener- generational difference now in in film viewers of, of B films and films that most people consider to be shitty films and uh, I guess I guess my story to wrap things up would be actually and it's funny I t- totally forgot that I'm wearing this orgy of the dead shirt but a perfect uh, movie it's a perfect but it's, movie it's a it's a film that when I was in junior high I and and this would inevitably always happen uh, would be I'd be with with friends and you know their their parents you know if i we do sleepovers they you know we they we go out to a video store together and one night they're like oh Derek, go ahead and pick it out and i picked out orgy of the dead and and brought it back and everyone was like what the fuck is this is like orgy of the dead and the undertaker and his pals 
were were the two films that we we rented that that night. And Orgy of the Dead is one of the the only films I've ever seen that that makes uh, cute girl nudity boring. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> it's, it, I, I, but it's also has one of my favorite soundtracks ever made. Um, I found a while back. I found uh, the CD of the original soundtrack, which is essentially just the film where they cut out some things and just basically left the runtime of the film. They condensed it and put it onto a disc, and all that great beatnik music is there. And it, it really started making me love the film more than I did. But Orgy of the Dead was was a film that I just remember. Everyone hated it, but for some reason there was something about it. The the cheesiness of Criswell and the werewolf and the and the mummy talking to each other. The, the mummy that that sat and sounded like he was he was speaking through a tin can uh, <laughs> for ADR and and all. Yeah, exactly. Um, all that stuff. I just loved it. I just absolutely loved it. And uh, I I I like to think that you know. There's there's still some of that that love out there for for these kind of films that doesn't have to be tinged with the fact that you're looking at something just to laugh at it that there's that there's something charming about these kind of films which is the reason why I kind of always liked Frank Henenlotter films and and Herschel Gordon Lewis films and not in John Waters films. Well, I I, I want to thank all you guys for bringing it out. I I think I'm going to wrap it up right there because I think uh, that was a great way to end it. Um, so, uh, thanks everyone for coming on. Um, appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we'll do this again a lot sooner than, uh, two months like we did between the Nightmare on Elm Street epic <laughs> episode. Uh, we'll just, we'll just do a last round of, uh, let's, let's, let's do some pimpage. Let's, let's go out the pimpage. Mr. Don Thacker, where can yes. we, where, where can we find you and your internet presence and, and buy your amazing film, Motivational Growth? Mm. Uh, motivationalgrowth.com is the website. Uh, Facebook.com slash motivationalgrowth. Facebook.com slash Films. That's I-M-A-G-O-S-F-I-L-M-S. Imagos Films. Uh, we will be showing at Toronto After Dark. That was announced today. Uh, we'll also be opening the Sheffield Horror uh, Celluloid Screams Film Festival in Sheffield, England. We're also going to New York City Horror uh, if you're in New York, uh, we're also uh, going to uh, go to the websites. We have lists. There are 12 more in the next two months. You'll see the movie. It'll be amazing. That's my pimpage for right now. It is ah. amazing. So I, I, I thoroughly tell everyone in Astro Radio Z-Land, if there is anyone <coughs> that actually listens to this fucking show, check out Motivational <laughs> Growth. Glenn, pimpage, I know you got some stuff coming up really soon. Yeah, I've got uh, my first short film ever, uh, Hell, is playing at the Oshkosh Horror Film Festival in five days. Awesome. My, my big screen premiere. Uh, and you can find out more at uh, facebook.com backslash hell short film. Um, and I'm also going to be playing at the Madison Horror Film Festival in November. And other than that, I have no idea what's going on with this film. This film was just made so that I could, I could experience what making a film was like because I've been a... a critic and reviewer for years and years and years and you can find my reviews on YouTube under B-Movie Bunker and I, I've always wanted to, I mean I've, I've dabbled a bit but I've never made my own movie I've been in little bits and other people's but I've never done my own thing and I finally did That's awesome, that's I really cool I can't wait to I do more it. Congratulations, really cool. this was this is what you were talking about last time right, you were kind of nervous about it and stuff but you were going to just dive in and do it 
Yep. Is this it? I, wow. I and now you know. have a thing, and it's in a festival. That and is so fun, cool, man. And it's a fun little movie. I, he, he, he gave me the opportunity to check out a rough cut of it, and i got to say, it's a fun little movie. I'm, uh, I, I'm really happy that you went forward with it, Glenn. I have liked it on Facebook and suggest everyone else do the same. <laughs> well, thank you. Andrew. Yes. Tell us about all the amazing things that you do. Uh, well, if you want to hear my uh, voice talk about movies every week, and I interview people on it too, at uh, ABH Cinema on Twitter, um, I'm uh, the movie columnist and a podcaster for um, onlineathens.com in the weird heart of the South, Athens, Georgia. So, um, But uh, in addition to that, uh, in my <coughs> own time, my friends and I make movies together, and we're doing our sixth annual a Midnight Movie Show at Athens Cine. It's uh, under the banner of Gonzorific, and we just uh, show for an hour or two uh, all the movies that we make throughout the year. Um, me and uh, just my buddies, we just make fill the screen at the Art House Theater with weird stuff in the Art House Cinema. In Athens, uh, all the clubs, uh, Athens is known for supporting weird art. So, yes, I make my living writing and talking about movies, but it's so I can pay for making my own weird little movies. Nice. Gotta, gotta absolutely love it. Your, your podcast, uh, I listen to every week. Highly recommend it to everybody. Thanks, 100%. man. 100%. Purely, purely heartfelt. My, my fan and film fan. Love it. My, my Only God Forgives podcast. I was on uh, some kind of cold medicine, I think. And, yeah, it's it's pretty hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Man. Tanya, tell us about all the amazing stuff and where we could find you. Uh, well, I'm working on a, a feature comedy called Plain Devil, and it's just a silly comedy about girls trying to be tough in sort of a modern city where everything's kind of soft and easy and... Um, you know, girls that are influenced by old gang movies trying to make their world fit into that. Um, I'm working on that right now. Everything else you can find at um, tanyatomic.com, and it's T-O-N-J-I-A. So tanyatomic.com has all my old stuff and writing and everything. I'm also a musician. You can find that kind of stuff on there as well. Thanks, guys, again, and uh, we'll talk again soon. It's just me against the world.